on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt and Nick will start things off with a quick take on the Rings of the Power finale and how it lines up with canon. Fear not, though, they'll move into Space Wizard franchise territory soon enough as they take a deep dive into Andor Episode 6, The Eye, which many fans have dubbed a masterclass in Star Wars TV. They'll then talk about how Andor's three-episode story arc formula will change over the last half of the season, starting with a one-off Episode 7. Tales of the Jedi is a week away, so the dudes will talk about the titles and the writers of the six shorts and how long each will be. Of course, the show will with question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie. everybody how's it going hitting you with the forehead today i got my hat up like i'm some sort of jerk off nick and i were sitting there talking about as we learned i think these three dudes or, or three women we at some point in time in rings of power we thought the the, the shaved bald-headed blonde was a man but i don't oh, know uh, if it's a man it's a man that has a, a nice set of of boobies uh, <laughs> but either way we're here we're back it's star wars time for this week SWTS 235. We've been humming along for years at this point in time. Uh, but we're here. We got Andor to talk about. Obviously, the I, episode six, seems to be the, uh, at least those Star Wars fans I interact with, the highlight of Andor so far, if not one of the best live action Star Wars TV drama shows episodes ever released so yes we are here to talk some andor but of course if you've been tuning in to the swts over the past i don't know what's it been seven weeks or six seven eight weeks we like to talk a little tolkien that's right a little rings of power time and uh, how could we avoid that this week after the series wrapped with its finale this past friday so like we've been doing for the past few weeks and this will probably be the last time because my friend does not like House of the Dragon, so we can't sit there and, <laughs> and and riff on that, even though that show, I absolutely love it. The drama is at a high level. Last night's episode, while you could argue nothing crazy happened, I the, the whole time it was tense, 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 armpits sweating. You asshole families, I hate the greens! But... Alas, Nick is not partaking. So we'll, we'll, we should be back to full-on Star Wars by next week. Maybe <coughs> maybe dribble in some pop culture highlights. I, I, I do plan to get out and see Black Adam hopefully this week because why not? It's the big tent-pole DC comic release of the fall. I do uh, enjoy my man Dwayne, so I'm going to go check it out even though I figure it's probably going to be pretty terrible. So maybe, maybe we'll talk a little Black Adam next week because we will not have rings to discuss anymore. So Nick... Yep. You know, you and I, you you um you actually beat me to it. I was at a a wedding this past weekend yes, that yes, that sir. honestly, you know, I was I was dreading going to. It was in Philadelphia. We had to drive cuz I had to drop the kid off at a relative's house because we're a we seem to be one of the only 21st century families, Nick, that doesn't have built-in babysitters or family that lives a block away that you can just dump your kid off on whenever you want to. 
Yeah, so yeah. It, it makes things like a no kid allowed wedding kind of tough for us. But anyways, we figured it out. We drove out to Philly. I was in a horrible mood because I'm just a cranky piece of shit. Uh, but we get there Friday night and I, I don't know if it was just I was cranky and I need to let loose or if I took my oxy too soon for a long night of walking. But for the first time in years, if not a decade I went fucking berserk. Like I got blitzed to the point where uh, I woke up. I may have peed myself a little bit. After that, I vomited all over the place. (laughs) Woke up Saturday at 830, continued to vomit. Uh, took took a little bite of the pen to, to try to help that out. Fell fell back asleep till 11.30. Woke up. All my cousins who I haven't seen in years are like, hey, let's go eat. I'm like, Ugh. you know, it's I just like, wanted to die, man. No. You, you know, <laughs> like, I again, I don't try to get wasted anymore. It's just yeah. not something I shoot to do. So I, I don't know what happened. I really do think I mistimed the oxy and, and it got the best of me, which is fucking dangerous first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. But dude, I, I I just I lost my mind. Everyone saw me Saturday, like, man, you weren't feeling any pain. You were having a great time. And I'm looking at some of these pictures, and I'm I'm like selfie guy, and I never do selfies. I was pulling people around me, like, come on, man, <laughs> let's get in the shot, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I blew my I blew my party wad Friday night. So Saturday I was zombie mat. But uh, in the end, it was still a great wedding. I uh, love seeing some of my cousins I haven't seen in a long time, all who are much more and widely successful. Than, than I am, at least when it comes to entertainment. One is a high-up director at Netflix. One does TV and makes documentaries for Netflix. The other that got married is actually a pretty big uh, sports voice out in Philadelphia. So anyways, I destroyed my brain this weekend, and that's why Nick beat me to Rings of Power. He, he <laughs> even had to catch up, but he still beat me. But we're here. We're all caught up. The finale came out and, you know, Nick and I had questions or I had questions last week because Nick hadn't seen it this this point in time. And I was like, listen, man, all I can tell you is, is the way episode seven went. I'm worried about the finale and if they will actually give us any any answers, any meat to some of the subplots they've been weaving throughout the season. And after taking the episode in and, and don't get me wrong, listen, there, there's. There's been a lot of canon changes throughout this season, mostly with timeline compression, like severe, severe timeline compression. I'm not talking 10, like, like uh, house of the dragon. I'm talking thousands Thousands of years, thousands of years. But in the end, like I told Nick, I'm like, listen, man, they gave us two big pops. We, we got the first set of rings that you would expect. And it's, sets the show up for a second season where you were at least to me as a Tolkien fan, I feel like, all right, now we're settling in to the actual rings of power and soon to be the war of the rings. So, um, it took a little too long to get there. I still fear that casual fans might not make it through season two and might ultimately lead to the demise of the show, having an extended run but as a, a Tolkien diehard, I can close my eyes to a lot of the canon changes. I mean, some the, the one weird one I still, and Nick, we never talk, talked about this, was Gladriel mentioning her husband, which we know is alive, but for some reason they're pretending I think, he's lost or dead. Yeah, and, so I'll talk, I'll talk to that in a little bit because I think I, I may have an idea of what they may be doing with okay. him. But yeah. And there's one other, like the other one, the, the, the fake 
drama surrounding the loss of Isildur is just kind of odd at this point. It's like, listen, yeah. even if you're a dope, <laughs> you realize this guy can't be dead. So why yeah. are we why are we drawing this out? But, you know, before Nick gives his quick take, I really do feel like the way it ended. Uh, I'm glad. And we kind of called this a few weeks ago, or at least I did. I'm like, Nick, didn't Hallbrand, the way he was talking to Adar, is like he could potentially be Sauron. I mean, yeah. Adar recognized him. No one else did. They they seemed to have a beef between each other. And, and sure enough, he did. So they, they skipped over the whole Anatar, the giver of gifts. Although, Nick, did you smile when Halbrand was working with Calibrimborn? He's like, ooh, it's a gift, and I'm Dude, giving I, you a gift. I was like, yeah, at least they got yes. that in there. So yes, yes. I, I appreciated I, that, but they, you know, they sped all that up. But in the end, we, we kind of got to where we need to be. We got information about the stranger who, based on the dialogue at this point, I mean, he literally says a line that he says to, it's either Mary or Pippin, verbatim he says it to nori essentially hey just follow your nose and and we'll end up in the right spot i mean that is a verbatim gandalf quote but no one still really knows he could still be a blue wizard either palando or i think nick what was the other guy's name alan tier or something like that it was something with uh an m so let me look it up well like i'm talking his middle earth name like that grab that article i sent you it's palando and alan deer right or they're both Alan, the blue. Let's see. I got it pulled up now. Let's see. So, so it is Istar. Okay. Sorry, come. Who are the Istari? Blah, blah, blah. Alatar and There we go. Palando. Alatar and Palando. So who the fuck knows? I mean, here, here's, here's my take. The way he acts and what he says, he's Gandalf. The way he dresses, he's Radagast the Brown. Yeah. Where he's going, he's one of the blue wizards. So. Exactly. I don't really know, but considering the the time compressions they've already made, and, the, and Nick, they, are, they have been so liberal, it would not surprise me if in the end the stranger does end up becoming Gandalf, even though he's an age early, you know, many, many, many thousands years early. But like I said, for all intents and purposes, it took a while to get there, but I think Rings of Power Season 1, by the end, gave you some of the answers you wanted to see as a, a Tolkien fan, and has at least moved the pieces and shaped the map to a recognizable point for Tolkien fans by the time we get to season two. So I was a fan of the season, two thumbs up. I thought the finale was the best episode out of every single one. Yeah, um, I agree with you on all points there. We've talked about the the protracted timeline or the condensed timeline a lot in this because... A lot of the times, you know, or, or in, in the second age and throughout like Tolkien's writing, he tends to write things over long stretches of time. So like technically the, the events of the second age and the events of the show took place over probably about 3000 years. Just to give you an idea of how long he makes things take, just the siege of Barad-dûr at the end of the war in, in, uh, in the second age, which we will eventually get to in the show... That siege alone took nine years. <laughs> so, it, and if you know what a siege is, it's yeah, just, just you sitting outside. Right, lobbing and not, shit, trebuchets and, and yeah. big, big pieces of concrete. Yeah. So that, that was supposed to last nine years. So if we did it in Tolkien terms, you would have basically every, every cast member that's not an elf dead before the show is over. And, you know, that obviously right. brings up its own problems. Um, I think what they did at the end of, uh, uh, of season one 
Uh, I agree with you. I think it was fantastic. I think it set us up for a really good season two. I also will say that they did a fantastic job of essentially masking who Sauron was. I mean, there was, if you, if you like read yeah, the, the cold open, the cold open on this episode, Nick was great to, yeah. to really kind of fool those that aren't as intelligent as you and myself. Yeah. I mean, if you looked at the, the, you know, the through line kind of to this whole season, it was basically who is Sauron? Which one of these characters is Sauron? Is it the stranger? Is it, uh, you know, is it this this white haired person? Was it Hallbrand? And then at the end, we find out it was. And there were just some excellent moments in there. You mentioned one forging the rings with Celebrimbor, him saying this is a gift, kind of alluding to the original Tolkien writings of Anatar, the Lord of Gifts being the one, you know, hey, Sauron Nick, real, and his real quick, when it was because that to me is probably the biggest canon change is that they just were like, fuck Anatar. He's Halbrand now like yeah. that completely new. I'm not going to get that upset about it because he at least said, I'm, I'm giving you a gift or, or in, in some phrasing, it yeah. was imparted to me as a dork that, all right, he he's at least doing the whole they're, gift they're giving thing, some right. sort of homage. But yeah. now did Sauron never had he never had a hand in crafting the elf rings or was it that his magic would not work on the elf rings he he could never influence them because the show here makes it clear that he had no hand in physically forging the yeah. rings which is why he can't control the elves um, yeah, is that so that is that also in the book that is canon for the elven rings but he yes. did forge the other rings with Calabrimbor before he that's what left it, that, that's the big one that i was okay, going to bring all up all right okay T- technically all of the rings except the one ring was forged by Calabrimbor okay, which okay. it's going to be interesting to see if if that actually happens or if that's a canon change the 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 elven rings were not influenced like Sauron did not pour his hate into he those he gave rings. he gave Celebrimbor the the knowledge to craft them and all that yeah. like like that was similar I don't think the books made a big deal on like oh it, they got to figure out how to extend the life of Mithril and of make Mithril, these new yeah. alloys that that show only but in the book Sauron definitely was the the giver of gifts Anatar the one that taught Celebrimbor how to make them a certain way to, to infuse magical power, so on and so yeah. forth. The, so the, you are right though, that there was a set of rings that he did influence, but did not actually influence yeah, the, 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 the rings of rings. men and the dwarves. And we, we said this before the dwarves rings didn't work, but it made them greedier. Yes. It, the, the rings really only served their true purpose on men. On men. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I am interested to see how that goes down if they just do a canon change there as well and then have He just him makes forge, them all Mount Doom. He's like, yeah, yeah forge it. the rest <laughs> of the rings in Mount Doom. Because now, I mean, this was always an issue that I had even with the Tolkien writings, was that in in canon, Anatar, Sauron as Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, goes to Linden. And then well, Lyndon like looks at him at the front door and they're like, you're Sauron. We well, know you're Sauron. Get I, the I fuck just, out of here. Real quick, because I know you brought this up and you're not wrong, but I, I, I don't think they knew he was Sauron, Sauron. They just knew he was a shady fuck and they didn't want to deal with him. Okay. Yeah. I but, believe that they, that's the official way it went down. Yeah. Like they could tell that he was off, but they didn't know yeah. he was the Dark Lord, which is why he was allowed to go to Eregion and, yeah. and essentially get in bed with Celebrimbor and the, and the Forgers. Yeah. 
It was always weird to me, though, how that went down. Like, right. you, I think you're right. They may not have expressly known he was. They just Sauron. knew he was bad news. Yeah. But your point holds. It's like, well, yeah. do these elves not talk to each other? Like, hey, yeah. what? there's this dude coming around, Anatar, the, the giver of gifts. Just watch out for him. Stay, he stay seems kind of yeah. seems kind of slimy. Yeah. Especially in like in the show, they made it clear that Celebrimbor and Gilgalad were in pretty constant, like in, in communication a, yeah. a good deal. So like it would have strained like credibility in the show if you would have had that interaction happen where like he goes right. to Linden and then he goes to Eregion and then Calibrimbor is like, oh, yeah, no problem. So like I don't have an issue with them cutting that. No, but they, they did show up. that that Halbrand, a.k.a. Sauron, had an immediate effect on Calibrimbor. Like it was yes. w- within the first few spoken words to him in his forge Celebrimbor was already under his spell yeah, like oh like, yeah he, I'll, I'll listen yeah. to you I'll do whatever the fuck you want sounds good pal let's mm-hmm. start let's start forging and, hey, and then little one one of Hi. one of my other favorite parts was when when um Gladriel figures out he's Sauron okay they're talking on the the bank of the river and if you remember to when in in Lord of the Rings when they show up in Lorien and then uh um, Frodo offers the ring to Galadriel. She does her like, you know, ghosty thing. Oh yeah, she like, she freaks the, the fuck out. The words that she says there are the exact words that Halbrand says to her on the bank of the river. Like if you, she, he says, if you are to ally with me, you will become more powerful. Like yeah, the, the the exact line she says when Frodo offers the ring. You know, you'll have a queen. Uh, you know, more powerful than the foundations oh, yeah. of the earth. Like those, when he said that, I oh, was it's a like, great okay, scene. I'm awesome. getting chills from it now. Cause you're right. She, they like Peter Jackson did some crazy lighting thing on her. She's like, yeah. Rah, 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 rah. And then she's like, Oh my God, thank God. I, I yeah. was able to turn that down again. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I love that scene. Um, I, I, and that's I really, again, that this is all new canon too. Like yeah. Sauron never, never asked to marry Galadriel makers queen and all this shit. Yeah. This is, this is for the show, but it, you know, he still kind of gets to where he needs to be mm-hmm. and she, she gets to where she needs yeah. to be wearing a ring. Did you notice yeah. that, um, the ring that's supposed to go to Gilgalad went right to Elrond. I mean, Elrond eventually gets it, eventually but Gil- gets Gilgalad got it first. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, Celebrimbor's, I forget who his ends up with, but... I think Celebrimbor's ends up with some random person, honestly. Like, I don't, like... Oh, Gandalf. Gandalf. Remember, Gandalf ends up with one of oh, the Elven yes, rings. yes, yes, Yeah, there we go. Because um, he... I don't know if it went directly to Gandalf. Or, or there, this may be another addition... There is a ring that Celebrimbor forged that was untouched by, by Sauron, but it had like it was forged in the same way as the Rings of Power that somebody else got. Like there was one yeah, ring. Well, maybe there there might have been one more in between Celebrimbor yeah. and Gandalf, but I believe Celebrimbor's ring eventually ends up with ends up Gandalf. With Gandalf. Cause, yeah, because um, they all have the power of 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 the not senses of uh, what the fuck is it? Earth, wind, the, fire. Uh, that shit. Yeah. What's yeah. that stuff called? The unseen world. <laughs> no, that, there's like a saying. there's like a word for that, like forces. Elements. I don't. That. Elements. <laughs> I'm like element. forces, fucking senses, like smell and yeah. sight. I'm an idiot, but yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like overall I was very happy with it. To to quickly address what you brought up about Caliborn, um, which is Galadriel's husband, I saw it theorized out there before that what they may be doing with Caliborn is actually what is what happened to Glorfindel in. Uh, like Tolkien lore, where Glorfindel, like first age elf, 
gets killed in the the first stage during the War of Wrath with Morgoth against Morgoth, but then he gets brought back to life like almost immediately. And that's how he lives throughout the second. Okay, and third I mean, she ages. didn't technically say he's dead. She just like I haven't seen him in a few thousand yeah. years or something. So, so, that, so maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's like floating around out there, and he will come in because we know the same way that we know that that um um, Isildur's not dead. We know that Caliborn's not dead because Caliborn is in the movies. He's he's the one standing next to Galadriel in Lorien. So. Um, but overall canon changes that were made, I think were made, um, intelligently and to, uh, to accommodate a television show that is using a condensed timeline. Yeah. Um, no, it, 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 like you said, it's just, <sighs> as much as early on, I kind of bitched a little bit about the canon over time is like, all right, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, I, if you know the source material, you kind of understand it is not, it's not made for TV. It's not really yeah. even made for books. I'm not fucking yeah. kidding. Like, read the Silmarillion. It will be unlike any fantasy novel you have ever read. It just it doesn't read like a traditional book. There is no there's no clear arc. There's really there's multiple plots. There's thousands of years covered. There's ages of time covered. I mean, you go from the creation of everything all the way up to the third age, you know, right, right before you get into, uh, the, the, the shit, you know, about the, the war of the rings with yeah, exactly. uh, the, the, the battle at not, what, what, what was the battle that Isildur cuts his fucking finger off? What's that called? Oh, that's the, um, the battle of something, whatever. You, you, everyone yeah, knows what I'm talking about. It, All right. it was, it was the, it was the final battle in front of the black gates. Right. Like exactly in the second age. Obviously, it's not the third age because that's what we see in the movies. But yeah, it's the final battle. Um, I can't remember the name of the goddamn. It's battle. it's not a big. <laughs> hey, real quick, because because Bat brought it up. I mean, obviously, the 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 three ladies, the the whatever they were of Sauron, they're yeah. clearly not ring race, but they seemed wraith like after he yeah. blasted them with the spell. So are they are they a wraith esque type being? Then you think? Yeah, I mean, I, th- that's kind of what I took it as soon as the, you know, the Istari kind of looked into the unseen world and he saw their their essence and kind of dispersed it. Yeah. First thing that I thought is that they were, I mean, clearly they were followers of Morgoth and then, you know, now they're looking for the lieutenant, they're looking yeah. for Sauron. No, I mean, they, um, they're like they're like cult members. I mean, they, they were yeah. all in and they got some kick-ass armor. It's not like they're orcs. They, they truly are like a... Were they humans? Because, look, they don't have elf ears, at least not this one. Yeah. Uh, so, no, it was interesting. I did like them in the end. That was a nice little kind of double take. And it they, was you, like... You never really knew another... what the fuck they were doing. You knew they, they seemed evil, but maybe they weren't. And yeah. Th- then they and get it, there, and I don't know. It was all... I, I really liked how they handled the the stranger, the stranger thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I do think I agree with you that it, it was... The show itself was definitely... took took its time getting where it got but i am very happy with where yeah, season it's it it has set up season two to be a banger because every all the to me all the slow moving shit is out of the way i mean numenorian mm-hmm. is ready for its quasi civil war you saw yep. that you saw alpharazon is essentially usurped uh muriel and all that muriel, that jazz yep. which is going to lead to that place getting fucked up you've seen it Dude. in the palantir vision i can't uh, wait to see that because i want to see if they do what is in canon where 
you have the war of elves and men or yeah, elves you, and you Sauron. Capture Sauron's capture ass. Him, send them there. And then you get to see, well, in, in canon, you get to see Numenor essentially turn to Morgoth worship. You, you well, start to yeah. see all of these temples exactly. to Morgoth pop because up and then they try to make war their, on Valinor. He <laughs> starts as their prisoner, but yep. because of his yep. silver tongue, he eventually becomes an advisor and as nick says gets them to start a whole new religion and then go attack the gods and that's why (laughs) the great line of men is all but extinct by the time we get to the third age and it's just aragorn is the only one left of that bloodline because sauron gets it gets his hooks in and well nick that was another great line i mean halbrand's like listen motherfucker i didn't want to come here i wanted to stay in numenor and that's exactly where he wants to be exactly it's if you read the history it it is like he almost wanted to be captured i mean after he loses again to the to the elves and the forces of of men yeah he it's like he does want to be captured because then he works his time over hundreds of years on numenor and gets the, the 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 great line of men essentially wiped out because he's yeah. like all right that's another fucking piece off the board i just have to deal with elves now the men in middle earth i i have tricked and turned into ring race so they're all fucking pointless and here we go and, and that's how yeah. he he does get power again because nick nick is correct we haven't even he hasn't even gotten his ass kicked yet he's yeah, gonna get he's, his ass kicked by the elves when they realize that he's trying to manipulate them through the rings and they go and kick his ass again after many yep. many years and he disappears again ends up on Numenor as a prisoner then becomes an advisor then tricks him and then he makes it back even stronger back to Middle Earth and that's when he really starts to build shit up for yeah. the final battle between final. elf and men when they cut off the ring so alright look that's the full, that is this full show. Like that little three minute, two minute long explanation that Matt just gave you. I hope. That is all of the second age. Yeah, literally. Just, <laughs> listen, man, like I said, I I hope the casuals keep it going. Sir Dork, he's like, hey, I'm a casual. I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's good news. That's good. Uh, but I do believe this show to have a long uh, lifespan will need the casuals to support it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Bezos, he's filthy rich. Maybe he'll just keep doing it for himself yeah. as a pet project and the troll Elon. But, you know, sometimes shows like this get whacked if it's only only the diehards and, and the, the scholars like ourselves. So. I mean, I, Taylor really enjoyed it. She's a casual. She didn't even really like the movies, but she's yeah. fully bought into the show. Glad to hear that Sir Dork is enjoying it because, you know, we we need influential people like him to, to step up to the yeah, it's weird. podium. It's like, <laughs> and a lot of people, and honestly, I think Bat brought this up last week. It, it, we are in a, this is a great tv year for people like all of us that listen to this show and that talk on this show i mean if you're a geek and you like fantasy or sci-fi i mean think about the the programming we've had since since august really i mean you got andor you got the star wars side cover you had the house of the dragons you had rings of power sprinkling in some cobra kai you got these if you're in the true crime stuff you got this i have to recommend this but the Dahmer thing on Netflix, before you watch the, the drama, watch the three-part true crime doc with the actual confession tapes, because then you really get a sense of this man, then you watch the drama and kind of see it all play out. That's all great. So it is, it's a good time to be alive if you're a couch potato. I, I just yeah. I, I hope shows like this keep going, because I know there's a lot of... A lot of hubbub out there. House of Dragons greater than ROP or ROP greater than House of Dragons. Who gives a fuck? Let's just be happy we're getting content like this and support it and hopefully 
we get more seasons. We know we're getting season two of each one of those shows, but if you're like me, you want these things to tell the full fucking story. And both these shows are based on a book, so we know there is a full story to tell. So hopefully that remains the case for Rings of Power, and at least for me, House of the Dragon. But yeah. good, good stuff. All right, so... Uh, if you've been sitting on it, now's the time to watch it. You've got all eight, all eight episodes to peel through. They're all, you know, at least an hour long, which allowed, mm-hmm. I think, for a lot of the character development. And, and of course, the money was spent wisely on uh, just photography and the special effects. So it's, it's, it's a good product. Okay, it's Andor time, my friends. And I'm excited, just as excited to talk about Andor episode six, The Eye, which uh, kind of like the Rings of Power finale was kick ass i mean it was uh, like last night's or sunday's house of the dragon it was packed with tension and drama and you're kind of feeling it and you're on your edge of your seat waiting for big characters to die or not die or betrayals or uh, was someone actually going to come through with their ideals so it was quality stuff but before we get there i just want to remind you that if you want to do the live stream you want to join in with the sir dorks and the bats out there we do it every Tuesday, 2.30 p. East on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. And if you are new here listening, make sure to give a sub to the channel, like the live stream, and tell a friend. We also do short form content in between the shows. And last week, if you didn't check, we had our obviously our Andor review and Easter egg breakdown. But there was a fun recap, at least uh, Rippick Tan told me I, I do funny comic book shorts I do them in 60 seconds or less. I sound like the Micro Machine Man. So if you want to get in the know on current Star Wars comic book runs, don't forget to check out YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Plus, you would have learned from this latest Star Wars comic that Hera told Luke that he reminded her of Kanan. Very cool fan moment. That is very cool. You also saw where Luke got the idea to wear black. And finally... We have some new canon around the second Death Star and how the Rebel Alliance first found out about it. It was Crimson Dawn and not many Bothans. So good stuff there. Check it out. Plus, we got a little preview of the Crosshair Bad Batch 1-6 scale Hot Toys figure. YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. All right, Nick, the eye, my friend. I'm assuming you took it in this morning, so it's probably fresh mm-hmm. on the brain. Um, I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to go ahead and let you kick off the review with your thoughts of the eye. Yeah, I think um, this is the most different episode of, of Star Wars TV that we've ever had, in my opinion. Um, it, it's one that truly leaned on all of Tony's strengths as like a writer and director, um, because that's what he kind of built his career off of, was spy thrillers and, and shows and movies that took this approach to storytelling, which was, um, you know, Character-based storytelling, big set pieces, and then, you know, kind of the fallout that comes from that. Uh, And I think we see that in full effect here in the eye. Um, I think that it it accomplished everything that we thought it would for an episode six for like a a final in a three-episode arc. I really love the character interactions, especially towards the end between Cassian and the rest of the crew on Aldani after the after the uh, mission had been completed, um, one of our pieces of speculation definitely paid off, but in kind of in a different way than we than we thought it would yep. with the yeah. 
with the scheme. Well, I didn't say, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm never one to shy away from fucking tooting our own horn, but we, we hit some of the big beats, but yeah. we definitely fucked up the betrayal to a point and some of the deaths, but I think we yeah. still did pretty good. Our track record's still pretty high. Yeah. Like N- Nemec, not dead, injured, but we, we definitely thought something was going to happen. Yeah. But you know, he dies in the end. So we win, yeah. you know, we, we still got that yeah. one, but, but sent to live. So that is, we, we, we pretty much said everyone's dead, but Val, you said yeah. everyone's yeah. dead. I said everyone, but Val. So we both kind of fucked up, but it was yeah. still yeah. a 75% Damn. win. Yeah, Tamron down, Gorn down, Nemec down, Skeen down in a different way than we expected. <laughs> Loved it, but though. still down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sinta and Vel still alive. I, I mean, it was, it was a very well executed three arc finale. I love how the tension was palpable from the opening moments of the episode. The music's great. I, f- I forget the yeah. composer, but he, he fucking kills it with that. Just that it's almost like a constant drum beat, like doom, 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 mm-hmm. doom. It's almost mimicking your heart as you're watching this shit. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean the, that was fantastic. I do have like, I don't know. I, this, this may not be canon anymore, <laughs> um, but I do have like one little nitpicky thing. And this was from, um, previous this may be from pe- previous canon but it was stated that x wing or not x wings that tie fighters can't fly in atmosphere because they don't have shields and if they were to fly in atmosphere at high rates of speed they would just fall apart because they don't have any sort of deflector shields to stop the wind shear on their very not aerodynamic builds yeah um, you know, so, I, I've, but that I, was like old, like again, yeah, I, 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 I am, I, I do remember them. They, they don't have shields. That's for sure. And they also yeah. don't have a, a hyperdrive, at least hyperdrive. not until the sequel trilogy. Then everything has fucking hyperdrive and you can track hyperdrive, all that fun stuff. But yeah, I mean, I guess they, they did kind of suffer once they got into some chunky atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, so they, 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 they paid the price, but yeah, I, I get you what you're saying. Yeah. But other than that, man, I, I, I really did enjoy kind of the full episode. Um, the ending bits were really nice because not only like I didn't think that we would get the response or the beginning of the response until the next episode. I thought that that we would kind of end here with yeah. the crew. Like I thought that we would end here with the crew and then the next episode we would roll in and start to see like, you know, then we would see. Luthen. Then we would see Mothma, and then we would see the the Imperial response. But having those moments with those characters at the end, and you can see the different reactions. You oh know, yeah, like Luthen's pure elation, like going into his back room, laughing and and truly enjoying it. Seeing the response that the few Senate members that are you know in the chambers during Mon Mothma's Panic. speech, yeah, like just absolutely freaking out, and then. The total and complete lockdown that the ISB is under <laughs> yeah, now to like, figure out. Like, you're not leaving this room until we figure it out. Taking, yeah, he's like, listen, yeah. we got we got to come up with our reaction plans. I mean, it, it's going to be bad. Like Aldani yeah. is going to get fucked up. But yeah. it, it, I think that was a. And I'm with you. I'm glad that they they checked in on the Coruscant factions because it. I think it showed like, yep, the Empire has now realized that. They're not as great and grand and secure as they expected, and that these these rebel activities they've been hearing about, they they probably should start considering Taking them seriously. Yeah, <laughs> it's like maybe. So, so Miro, maybe. she she should have been like, "I fucking told you so, bitches!" and like threw her fucking uh, you know her 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 book down, her iPad, whatever she carries around. 
Yeah, so um, I'm with you, dude. I uh, I I also believe it's one of the best uh, live action Star Wars TV episodes ever produced. But I think it was a product of its setup. So to those of you out there that the 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 filler crowd, that's why there is no such thing as fucking filler. Because if you didn't have Episode Five, Episode Six does not hit as hard as it did. Okay, can we can we just get that out of the way? Thank you. But outside of that, I, I just love the nonstop tension. I love the portrayal of the Empire and just how arrogant and unempathetic they are. It's, you don't really get a lot of that. Uh, you got some of it in the Clone Wars, and even in, that wasn't even the Empire, but you, you would get more of that type of shit. This is really the first time you're just seeing the Empire and how they would talk about these planets they've essentially conquered and the people they've conquered, and to hear the way they talk about them, it's just like, I want to join the fucking Rebel Alliance now. Like, I, I, if I was Gorn, it, it would have been hard not to pull out my blaster and just go pop, pop, to fucking Fatso and the Engineer. Yeah. So I, 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 it's, I love that Tony is giving us these scenes and showing us the, the hubris of the Empire leadership especially. And, and I also really appreciated how they involve the, the, the Donnie people and this mm-hmm. ritual and this pilgrimage and how that contrasted to what the Empire is doing to them. And, and you could see, I mean, just the line, he's like, oh, yeah, there used to be 15,000. Now there's 60. I mean, think about that. The Empire has essentially beaten the culture out of this planet or just killed them off yeah. for their own purposes. So I, I appreciate, obviously, his much darker tone for Star Wars. Uh, the the way he decided to shoot this show is still paying off in spades. All the practical locations are just fucking phenomenal. Uh, the, the way the eye looked has to be one of the most visually pleasing uh, uh, special effects I've ever seen in any of Star Wars. It was then, very cool. And then when you lump it in with just the sound of the storm of the eye, it was just it, it just everything was great about this episode. This was a true ten out of ten. It had uh, it. It was self-contained, but it also resolved the four, five, and six trilogy. And as Nick alluded to, uh, the ending was perfect. Both the double cross with the rebel faction, and then the peek in on Coruscant. So um, it's it just like filler people. Come on, you, you just got to come to grips with you're not into Star Wars beyond the pew pews and the woo woos. And that's okay. Just be like, listen, I don't have much of a brain. I just like seeing flashing lights in action. That that would be much better than this bullshit. Disney's ruined. Andor's boring. It's filler. It's slow. Okay, you just sound stupid at that point in time. All right, you heard it from me. I'm right. You're wrong. There's no filler in Star Wars. If there is, you probably have mush for brains. Okay. All right. Um. I can't wait to talk about episode seven because I don't know if you saw the post, but the formula is changing. Gilroy, yeah, he said that episode Gilroy seven tricked us, so we're, we're going to have to be careful on our seven predictions because, as he calls it, it's very interesting and is not going to be a part of a, a trilogy arc, So, but we'll get there. Anyways, all right, so there you go. Those are the reviews. If, if you want a little bit deeper one for me, make sure to check out our episode six video on youtube this one actually crested a thousand still nothing but not bad so keep it up my friends you know why i did that there was 80 likes and i think it was either sir dork or uh, uh what's his name dan sparks rebel jaw i believe 
started a comment train. And that's people. At the end of every show, when I'm begging and pleading and, and saying, hey, we're not going to do subscriptions or Patreon, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, sometimes on a video, if you start a comment, you can start a comment train, which means the algo is going to go, oh, cool. All right. I'll show it to more meat bags. And then they start clicking. They start liking. So thank you to all of you. Okay, so as we're on the review segment here for Andor Episode 6, let's go over some of the top moments. Uh, Nick, I kind of already talked about this one, but the whole just listening to Jay Hold and the, the engineer, specifically Jay Hold, talk about how the Empire's manipulated the Donnies since they've essentially taken over the planet and and the the it just showcased how truly awful the empire is and anyone that joined it and made it to these higher ranks were undoubtedly a slime bag yeah uh, and nick i think it was a, it was a great choice to show a bit of jay hold's family life because it just upheld the idea that he is a piece of shit yeah I mean, he he's blaming his wife for packing his bag wrong because he got fat and his belt doesn't fit. He's he's essentially calling his son a, a weak, sick oh, piece a, of a shit. We, he's like, he's yeah. always sick. Suck he's, it up, yeah. pussy type of stuff. Yeah. So I, I just all those moments with the Empire when when, you know, they were still on their high horse. Just yeah. brilliant stuff because you don't you don't get this in Star Wars. You don't. The, the Empire, they're just always they're the bad guys with the guns and the cool looking armor and vehicles. You, you rarely get insights into the way they think. Mm-hmm. And now that we yeah. see it, it's like, well, shit, how did the rebellion not start year one? These people are fucking vomits. Yeah. Absolute <laughs> vomits. So. And I like that it's like, especially Jay Holt, like he is middle management. And middle management is always like the worst. Because yeah, they, they're not highly respected from the bottom. They're yeah. not respected from the top and they're, they're, they're trying to improve their station at all times. Exactly. So like middle management is always just the biggest pieces of shit. Cause they're stepping on everybody that they can to try to get their way up. And then, uh, so everybody below them hates them. Everybody above them is trying to push them back down yeah, or laughs like, at them or thinks they're a joke. Yeah, thinks they're, thinks they're a piece of shit. So like the portrayal of that character, I think was, was fantastic. And it, it mirrors or it, it, it it falls in line with expectation of what you would see in the real world for somebody in this position, you know, like, um, so I think that, that he was a very well done character. Um, He he really was. I mean, Jay hold is to me, he is the epitome of like Nick said, middle management Imperial officer. Uh, just it was just a great scene. I mean that that whole opening scene, even though it might have felt slow to some of you, if you just sit there and you listen to the dialogue, and if you just look at the guy that played Gorn, he acted that scene brilliantly. Like you could tell he was seething underneath the surface, but all we could see was he was still doing his yes man thing. So I, I don't know. I just I really appreciated that uh, the discussion on the Donnies because it just it it showed how truly terrible the Empire is was and anyone involved at any capacity especially in the officer ranks all deserve to die okay yeah i'll just i'll just leave it there it's it's Uh, like they're like the it i don't want to say they're they're like the ss but sure they are but 
Because the SS, well, the, the only reason I didn't want to say that is because the SS is like a, was like a very specialized unit. So I think somebody like Jay holds not necessarily in, like like the SS. But, but he's no different than a Nazi but, commander. I mean, same yes, thing. I mean, he's still exactly. like a Nazi where yeah, deep down you would like to think that they know this is wrong, but they, they still are like, hey, yeah. I don't care. It's going to get me more power. But yeah, the, like, the, the German people made the same decisions that the galaxy made during the fall of the Republic. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I do hope that within this series, because I think that this series is the one that, that, that may give us some interaction like this, but I, I do hope that we get interaction with the foot soldiers of, of the empire to really get their, their perspective on things. Because that was one thing, like if we're going to use world war two and the Nazis as kind of like an analogous type of deal there, I mean, you had German soldiers in World War II who were fighting because they didn't know any different. Like they, they were fighting for their country and they were doing well, what propaganda were, is a powerful thing. Yeah. I mean, look, look what's happening to this country. I mean, we're sitting there poking fun of Germany. In ten years, they could be saying the same thing about the United States. Very true. Because we're we're, we're going down the same fucking path where you got a a large faction of individuals that believe misinformation because some leaders have chosen. To run their their politics that way, they yeah, they now realize that they're like, listen, this guy has proven we can be absolute scumbags, and they're gonna vote for us no matter what because they like the the bullshit we're selling, even though it's not true. They dig it. That's that's how democracies fall. That's what happened to Germany. That's what happened to the Republic, and it could very well happen here. Not that we're getting into politics, but you can definitely draw through lines from star wars to the united states at this point in time we're in our clone wars right now yeah all right so, so yeah. next top moment beyond the shitty empire you know we we are i asked nick this question last week so what, what were the women getting into and sure as shit they got the wet work they were the tom yeah. cruises they were the james bonds uh, like, i i literally love <laughs> repelling down just like tom cruise oh yeah yeah underwater you know they're doing yeah. like jedi they, shit you, you had to love those wetsuits cool too man you got like their scuba suits even have little fucking bills on it just in case there's sun underneath the water i don't know but i, I like <laughs> the look of it all and i and i do like that they gave the girls the you know the the, the super secret mission impossible stuff which made sense it's not like you they could wheel to. you could wheel female uh soldiers, soldiers. down there yeah, uh, but I, I I do like they they gave him that task, but it yeah. also allowed for that scene where you saw for the first time that Vel is not a confident leader, or or she was she was hesitating on the job, and then you Sitting know there, yeah, it, finally it was that tense tense moment. Are we yep. go? Do exactly. we go? She she was definitely uh, hesitating a bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Th this could be completely throwaway for most of you. But one of my favorite moments in this episode, no shit, was watching the TIE pilot fully board his TIE. We've never seen it before. I think you've seen it bit, bits and pieces in animation, but you literally see the dude from the rafters climb down, pop open the hatch, get into the ball, and, and start juicing up the systems like we've seen from the Rebel Alliance. Specifically, it reminded me of the prep for the Battle of Yavin, where you know they're yep, calling all the pilots to the ships. You yes. see them loading in. The cockpits are going down. They're turning on all their switches. I fucking loved it. it it's it's it, it was great. It, just because we don't get the Empire perspective, at least that in depth or that personal. 
uh, at all, really, because, you know, they're the bad guys. So I like that you know, Tony's team invested in those types of shots. And, and it was all practical, too. You got to love TIE fighters. I mean, they're purely death machines. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing in there. Like, if you compare the cockpit of a TIE to an X-Wing, I mean, it, it's like a, he, he's got a place for a cot in the back because there's there's nothing else. There's no controls but the fucking joystick and a few knobs on it. That's it. You yep. look at the X wings; they're literally There's, sitting in a console. I mean, they are they sitting in a console. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it just everywhere. it just looked badass, and they 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 gave some great great inside shots while the ties were on that that dogfight run. It was just really good cinematography overall in in episode six, um, uh, which takes me into the whole freighter escape. Yeah, I mean, obviously, leading up to that was great, but when they actually punch out and you see it's like a fucking bus flying through the air and and right at the same time, the eye is going in full force and just the visuals you're getting, uh, you know, kind of cutting between the Donnies and their celebration, their chanting, and then the oranges and the blues and yellows and greens are coming in, the ties are coming, Iggy's going, you know, climb and dive and shit's blowing up. It was a, a very exciting culmination of the the heist both you know you could feel it but the visuals were also extremely pleasing to the eye i mean like this this shot there those ties and you got smoke and and smoke trails but the sky's purple it's red it's orange it's just good looking shit there yeah all right the big one and i want to get your take and and what you really think happened here because for some reason a lot of people aren't clear on skeen's betrayal um, we called this last week. I, I mean, we were like, listen, in some form or fashion, Skeen's going to do something shady. It's either going to be like one of those, oh, hey, Cassian, psych moves. You know, we've seen those before in heist jobs where you think the the shitbag is actually going to save the good guy, but at the last minute they do a psych. Uh, or we thought he was going to die and, and really screw up the mission. But we got probably the the best of any option with Skeen, where you truly got to see his shitty character uh, because it, it was a betrayal. What, what he was speaking to Cassian was a full-on betrayal. It was a planned betrayal. And the, the fact that Cassian really doesn't even give it two thoughts, doesn't even want to discuss the plan, just gets up and ices the fucker. It was, it was great. It was, it was great for the character of Skeen just to pay off on his shittiness. But it was also awesome for Cassian to see, like, listen, th- this guy's no bullshit. He may not be a rebel yet, but he definitely has a value system. And, and yeah. he was not willing to betray these people, even though he's really only known them for two or three days and was there as a mercenary. So, uh, you know, I think it said a lot for for everyone involved in the heist, but more so for uh, Cassian. So, Nick, did you ever feel like this was another test for Cassian or did you fully believe Skeen was a pile of shit and had this plan from the get go? I, I, I do feel like Skeen. Okay. So let let me, let me think of a way to put this. I don't think that he had this planned from the beginning. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way because if he had it planned from the beginning, it wouldn't have come up so casually. Like it, it seemed like if he, if he, if his plan was go through with it, get the cash and then I'm going to find a way to get out on my own. Okay. But then, but I do think that he was just generally a trash guy. And right, he was just waiting for an opening. There is a wing of the fandom 
that believes Cassian was wrong and that Skeen was just testing his testing loyalty him. again. I think that's complete horseshit because he literally lied to the team about his backstory. So, and that's why I also think that he has from the get go, probably premeditated fucking the team over in some capacity because he was with Vel, Tamarin, Nemec, Sinta for, for months. what we know months. Yeah. And, and he lied to them because Vel was the one, I believe in episode five is like, all right, Skeen, tell him your story. So Skeen had been lying to them about this fake brother and, and why he wanted the uh, to join the, the rebels revenge yes so so yeah revenge. i mean skeen's been uh shady from the get-go so this was not a test i i might I, I could buy in the nick's theory a bit where maybe he saw this as an opportunity but i'm going with this was premeditated from day one because if you go back to when they're on the freighter he's the one going we got to get to the doctor we have a doctor yeah. set up like he knew there was going to be if they needed to a side planet to go to before the final destination. And yeah. it seemed like he lucked out with Nemec getting hurt that, that he could redirect. Cause Vel was like, you know what? Fuck it. Sacrifice is sacrifice. We need to get to our destination. But Skeen was the one yeah. that was pushing for the stop. So I, I think I, it was all premeditated. I, I will say that about him lying about the brother and everything else, if he came into this group the same way that Cassian did, because we don't know how the core group came together at all. From what we could gather, though, it seems like Luthen was out there like cherry picking people. And he was like, look, I'm going to put like, you're going to go, you're going to go do this mission. And just so to me, everybody's backstory could have been a lie. I don't think that Skeen lying about his brother was necessarily an indication of him being a shady dude. because. Cassian's lying this whole time too. His name's not fucking Clem. He's not from, you know, everything that he's told these people, which is very minimal about him personally is fake. Um, so I, I do feel like, like, uh, Skeen lying isn't necessarily like an indicator of whether he was bad or not. I think what ended up happening was he saw an opportunity. He already knew that Cassian was at, at best, like, just doing this for the money and then he was ready to get out. And I think that's why he felt like there okay. was an opening there with Cass. And he's like, you've already told us what your deal is. You're here for the money. Then you're out. How about this? You want money? Here's real money. 40 yeah. million. Credits. Right, I could, I could buy. Cause yeah, I mean, it's not like the other people. I mean, they really didn't even have a pilot. So maybe he started thinking when, once Cassian showed up, and he's like, I'm going to be the pilot. Maybe, maybe that's when he started thinking like, all right, I, I could potentially leverage yeah. this situation. But yeah. I, I still think Skeen was a shit bag and, and really was pulling the wool over everyone's eyes, even more than Cassian. Cause at least Cassian eventually came somewhat clean. Like, listen, yeah, Fox, just be like, look, yeah. I'm a merc. I'm here. I'm getting fucking paid. I mean, he didn't say my name's Cassian, but who cares if you're lying about your name? He at least finally did tell some truth and gave him his exact motivation for being there where, where Skeen always just kept that lie going. So uh, it, it was not a test at all, but I will buy into Nick's theory that maybe Skeen, once he saw where things were going and realized that, Hey, I, I've got this other guy here that isn't, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over the rebel Alliance. Maybe I can convince him that, Hey, you and me, we're kind of the same. And, and it was, it was the line that gets him killed. And he's like, listen, you and I are the same. We'll fucking climb over anyone to make our life. And that's yeah, where Cassian's that's, like, no, we're not. You piece of shit. Yeah. Pop. I think, uh, yeah. I th the big thing was everybody else before Cassian got there 
seemed bought into the cause, you know, yeah. like they were, they were all like, you know, Nemec, especially, you know, Nemec had written his whole manifesto that, that Vel gives to, to Cassian at the end. You knew that Tamron was bought in just from the stories that were told there. I mean, Gorn was an active Imperial, uh, like, essentially lieutenant. a spy yeah, yeah he's a, lieutenant he's a, spy within the imperial superstructure so you know that those people are like we're in it for the rebellion but then like skeen was probably all always not really he's in it for himself that much in it yeah. for himself. and then he sees a- cassian comes in in it for himself cassian, yeah in it for himself readily admits he's like i don't give a shit about your rebellion at all like you know i'm doing this for me merc money i'm once this is done i'm out and then that's where he saw his his idea. Like, okay, I'm more like this guy than these people. Let's see if we can have a mutually yeah, beneficial. Right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But it was not a test. There's no fucking way he, he was yeah. testing no, Cassian's test. loyal game. He he really wanted to steal that money. If There's he was no really testing it. him, do you think that he would have pushed him to the point where he's gonna fucking I mean, I will say that him roasting Skeen right there was a maybe a little bit uh a, a little jumpy. But it because falls I, in line with with the man we've known since Rogue One. Sure, like true. we see yeah. it. Like because I, I still I'll never forget that moment in Rogue One the first time I saw it where I saw a rebel just ice an innocent person. Yeah, just after he got what he needed, I'm like, holy shit! So I I dig. I mean, it 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 fits the guy. We saw him do it in Episode One. I mean, he he's not one to talk. He's not one to sit around and with when people are essentially challenging him, he's not one to fuck around. He's going to pull that side piece out from Clem and fucking blast people. So, uh, I, I dig it, man. I, I, I like the way he rolls. And then, uh, another moment from all like the, the scenes on this moon planet, wherever the fuck they were. And, and I think we alluded to this before, but, but Nemec is a very important character in all of this. It, it, in fact, he could be one of the most important characters for the rebel Alliance as a whole, when yeah. everything's all said and done, because that manifesto, that that wasn't just a casual passing of it to Cassian. That that is a meaningful moment. Vel giving it to him and saying Nemec wanted you to have this, and you know at this point in time Cassian is not ready to become the rebel we know he is. But that manifesto is going to lead him there. In fact, I think it might play a role in the next episode in getting us back into some flashbacks, but more on that in a little bit. That's the tease for our episode seven prediction. But that that manifesto, that that's that's not just a one off moment. That thing is going to mean something to Cassian. I think it's going to be the thing that ultimately turns him into the guy we meet in Rogue One. And I, I also think it's ultimately going to be. A, a beacon of hope for the galaxy. I mean, I could see this thing become, I, 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 I hate to say it, but uh, because, you know, there, there is negative connotations around it. it. It will be something like a Mein Kampf or, you know, Lenin's, I forget Lenin's book, but it, it, it's a, it's a book that people are going to read and it is going to motivate them to break down or break their chains and beat down this oppressive system that they've been under for at this point, well over a decade. Uh, so don't sleep on the manifesto and Nemec's contribution to the Rebel Alliance. I honestly think he will go down, and I don't know if we'll ever see it. Maybe Tony will pay off in season two, but he will go down as almost like a, an apostle-like figure for the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, God, no, God. I mean, right now the Rebellion doesn't have, for lack of a better word, a platform. Like, they're, they're just like, Empire bad, stop Empire, do whatever you can to do it. Like. <laughs> Like, I mean, and, and granted, like, no, that's probably right. all right. the platform that you need. But for somebody like Nemec, 
to literally sit down and write, I mean, like you said, a, a Mein Kampf, Lenin's Communist Manifesto, um, like to, to sit down and write out the tenets of what this rebellion is about, not only, not just on a surface level, but on a deeper level, like down to the core tenets and principles yeah. of what this rebellion stands for. Not it's like just the Bible. Empire it's the rebels fact. Bible, essentially. I it, mean, it, it, it's, it gives them, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, it's just, it's just stream of thought, but it, it will also like books like the Bible, it gives them guidance. It gives them hope. It, it, it can be inspiring. You know what I mean? So th- this manifesto is going to be huge. And, and like I said, once we get into our episode seven discussion, I'll, kind of give my thoughts on how it might lead to some uh, flashbacks or eventually moving Cassian closer to uh, really wanting and believing in the rebel movement. Cause clearly he still does not. I mean, I, I, I did Nick, did you, did you have a little sliver of hope even after he blasts skiing that he would have came in and be like, Hey, this motherfucker's trying to take you out. We need to get out of here. And like him and, him and Val would have bonded and he would have got into the rebels earlier. I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't quite see him getting so pissed off. Like, all right, I just fucking killed that guy. Cause he's a piece of shit. I want my <laughs> money. I'm going to buy your ship forearms and I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm done. Job's done. Contract complete. I, I did have a, have a moment where when he was walking in, I was like, Oh, he's going to say like, you know, he, he's going to, this is going to be the turn moment where he's going to say like, Hey, this guy, was trying to betray you this whole time, but he's just not ready yet. You know, he's not at that point. And well, he um, was probably caught off guard. He's like, well, fuck Val and them. They've been living with this guy and they didn't even see he was a fucking scuzz bag. So how can I like fully throw in with them if they're missing people like this? I don't know. I was like, man, I I really thought six would have been okay. He, he did something good. They would have bonded over the thing, but no, he's still, no bonding. He's a loner, man. He's like, fuck you. All you guys are the same. The partisans, uh, the seps, whatever. Have fun. Keep rebelling. I mean, if you see it from his perspective, he, he got involved in a job where... He I mean, essentially, he essentially got kidnapped and placed on a yeah. job. Let's be real. I mean, he didn't... He he needed Luthen to get the fuck out of Ferrix, but it wasn't his choice. Yeah. And and like, then he, get, he gets like thrown into this. He sees... More than half of the people that are on this squad get fucking taken out for, for, and like essentially for nothing that's going to benefit him. Like he gets his credits from Luthen, but like, he's like, I'm not doing this shit again. I almost got fucking wasted. Right. Because of and some one shit of you, that and one of you guys about. is trying to double cross us all. So like, how do I really <laughs> yeah. want to hang out with you? You you can't even sniff out that you got a, a wolf in sheep's clothing here. Okay, and then um, final top moments are kind of where Nick started things with. I, I really enjoyed the reactions on Coruscant. I'm glad they they spent that three minutes or whatever to kind of bookend this action-packed and very tense episode. And the the obviously the the staff meeting scene was the best because anyone that's worked in corporate America, you've probably been in one of those moments, especially if you're in IT. I remember those like, well, shit, fucking plants down. You ain't going anywhere until you figure it out. It, it was one of those moments, but, uh, you know, homeboy Kyburn, Kyburn's finally like, all right, I want everyone's essentially, what do you, what do you call them? It's like planetary reaction plans or something like yeah, that, which yeah. is a nice way of saying, 
are we going to go fucking glass of honey or what? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, like how much are we only going to blow up half of this planet? Yeah. How many or, people within our, our own team are we going to ice because they fucked up? Like, yeah. Or, you gotta or how, what other planets and what other sectors should we just fuck with just to remind the galaxy that, Hey, we're, we're still here. We, we understand that they just got us. They got over on us big time. The biggest ever. They stole our whole fucking payroll for a sector. But listen, we're still the empire, and this is what we do. So I, I, I feel like th- this isn't just going to be an Aldhani reaction. Yeah. It could be an entire sector reaction where every planet in the sector gets the fucking boot put on its throat. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I, you were right. It, it, it was so much heist, 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 but kind of getting to see the fallout of the heist and how it quickly spread like wildfire across the galaxy that was awesome. And, and yeah. just all the different reactions, ISB squeezing their butt cheeks, the Senate going nuts, like completely yeah, disengaged from Mothma's speech. And if you know, she was talking about Gorman and trying Gorman, to get yeah. aid there and how they've been fucked. But they're all like, damn it. The galaxy's under gone. attack. The empire's <laughs> under attack. And as Nick said, our man expertly played once again by Stalin walks in the back and just throws on that smile of I fucking did it. They fucking did it. The party has started. This is it. Like we, as we said last week, you have to understand this was their coming out. All the other little shit. That's why the empire ignored it. Cause um, everyone, but Miro were just like, fuck it. Who cares? Small it's just, potatoes. yeah, like, it's little, little insurgencies. Who gives a shit? We can go in there and we'll, we'll fuck them up and we'll stop. This is the, Hey, galaxy empire. Those that want to be insurgents. We are here, and this is the level of shit we're pulling off right now. This is what we can accomplish right now. So everyone is on notice, both those that may want to join rebels and those that want to put them down. And he, he knew that he knew all this, but because you'd have to imagine he's been planning this for potentially years, the, the level of relief that lifted off of him and just knowing like, holy shit, we did it. We did it with a ragtag group of people that were all strangers probably before they met. There is some power to this rebel movement. So I, I love that. Love the end. <sighs> all right. Well, Nick, that takes us over to our Easter egg Easter, portion yes. of the breakdown. And once again, I'm loving I, I, the, <laughs> the minimal Easter eggs because yeah. it, it makes my life easier on a Wednesday. I can just do a short for the eggs. They're literally so few and far between. I can do nice little 60 second or less breakdowns. But we did we did get some some interesting ones, plus a really great one. If you remember, probably the most iconic moment from Rogue One. All right, so starting things off, uh, Echo One, Echo One, Echo One. All right, we all know Echo is an infamous call sign amongst the Rebels. It was widely Echo used Base. on Hoth. Yeah, you had Echo Base, Echo Three, Echo Two. So, yeah, that, that clearly was not just for fun. Uh, I, I kind of like the, the little twist that Tamarin is a, was a stormtrooper uh, because... Honestly, if you think about it in the Star Wars timeline, at least from what I can remember, FN2187 was the first person to ever kind of break out and, and go to the good side. Yeah. Uh, I know, what's his name? Maydeen, Nadine. He was, he was an Imperial officer that, that made it over to the rebels, but I, I don't think 
there was ever a, a like a, a known stormtrooper that decided, you know yeah. what, I'm I'm doing the wrong I thing. Think, I need to fucking join yeah. the rebels. I think it was because one in the beginning, obviously in the beginning of the. Well, I guess you could say. Hmm, interesting. We'll we'll have to see how things progress through, um, through Bad Batch, but. In the beginning, they were all clones, obviously. They transitioned over to conscripts and people who, like, actively signed up. Right, who wanted to join. So a lot of people it. were, like, joining because they wanted to join. But then, you know, FN2187 Finn, um, in the in, in the sequel trilogy, they, they were all mind control. See, that's... You're right. And I don't think stormtroopers at least ot troopers were brainwashed right no, that, that no. okay they at least they as just, far as we know correct as far as we know correct so yeah i mean finn's obviously was a bigger deal because his brain was scrambled and that's why yeah at least like most of you are like oh he he must have the force and i never really picked up on that <laughs> but <laughs> whatever I, i'll i can admit i'm wrong every once in a while i don't know i just i i, I still saw it as a nod to other Star Wars where you've seen parts of the Imperial machine defect and realize that they've, they fucked up, but it, it just, I don't know. I thought, I thought of our boy Bo- Boyega for some reason. I'm sure yeah, there's definitely. people out there like, Oh, it's cause he's a black guy. No, it just same, same stories. I don't, I don't give a shit what they look like. Um, but it is a neat little kind of twist at the end. Like, Oh, this guy's a fucking stormtrooper. You know, just like Nick was saying, I mean, no one was really, no one really knew anyone's story in Vel's group or, or yeah, the full story. It, it, it seemed like things would just keep leaking out. Uh, our boy Skeen, love him or hate him, but at one point, I believe Tamarum threw him a good old DLT-19 heavy blaster rifle. So I know you uh, you gun freaks out there always like when you get a little uh, a gun Easter egg or reference in Star Wars even if it is still based off of, I'm, I'm pretty sure the DLT 19 is just a world war two machine gun. I was going to say it's um, based off of a world war two, like, but, light but machine for gun. some reason that's okay. But AK 47s are not. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, whatever. Like at this point, I'm just like, whatever, I, who cares? I don't, I don't give a shit. Uh, next one. And you know, you just have to do it because you have to, we got the klaxon, the, the iconic sounding Imperial klaxon over at the air base there when they were scrambling the ties. Everyone always likes to hear that. Cause you know, some shit's going down for the empire. And then this was the big one. And I don't know how many people picked up on this when you saw the scene. But when Nemec is is essentially juiced up on whatever to keep himself alive after getting his lower Medical half smashed, spike. Yeah. and he's commanding Cassian to climb, climb. It is a, a direct reference to Rogue One when KTSO is sacrificing himself for Cassian and Jin to get one more chance to transmit the signal. And Cassian is, is literally, he, I mean, K2 is literally going, climb, Cassian, climb. So th- that was not by mistake. I, I can almost, I know Tony doesn't get into this shit, but his brother fucking snuck it in. I promise you. But also you. it's his own movie, right? Like yeah. he can, he can draw from his own movie. I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That, that almost he, seems too he cynical. He made that. So it's not like <laughs> fan fiction. Exactly. It's not like, you know, any of that other stuff. It's not animation. My God, animation. Can't even think about that. But it is it, it, it was a cool reference and it, 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 was. it was very it was similar. I mean, he's essentially being told climb to save his life. And it is even though it's two different situations, they definitely uh, mirrored each other. And I, I included the KTSO scene in our 
breakdown on StarWarsTime.net if you do not believe me. And once I fired it up, I'm like, I don't want to watch this. This makes me sad. It really is fucking sad to watch a robot just get fucking blasted to death as he is sacrificing oh, himself yeah. I for mean, his I think buddy. That- at the time when that movie came out, we both agreed that that was probably the most heart wrenching moment in the entire movie. Eas- oh, easily. That that's a that is a more sad death than any death in that in the final battle, the, the Scarif battle. Even the the Jin and Cassian death to me is almost beautiful. Uh, we we knew they're all gonna fucking die, but the fact that they died in an embrace of each other, kind of recognizing that they did you know, have feelings at the end and they just burn up for, to, to essentially save the galaxy. It was a beautiful death where K2S's was an emotional death. It really felt like a, a friend was dying or the family pet. It was, it was rough. Uh, So yeah, those were our, those are the eggs there. And and like we said, deaths were corn or corn, corn, (laughs) corn, (laughs) come on. Yeah. get get, Get some fucking, Death metal going. Gorn went first, then Tamarin, then Nemec, then Skeen. Uh, by by Cassian's hand, but we we figured he'd be dying anyways. So Nick, uh, before we move on, what what do we do with Cinta at this point? Do we just leave it as a plot hole, or do we somehow is there going to be follow up on on her remaining on Donnie or on Aldani? Yeah, that's a good question because the one other thing, notable thing that that was left out of this episode, and it makes sense, but was uh, uh, Cyril. Like, you know, after so much focus yeah. on Cyril in the previous episode, we did kind of, by necessity, kind of leave him oh, alone. Oh, yeah. It, for I mean, this they one. this episode pretty much ignored all the other subplots until yeah. the very end. You got that, uh, oh, geez, you got that sprinkling of Coruscanti stuff. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and maybe we can like, you know, start to transition a little bit over into our talk about what potentially episode seven could be about, but yes, I mean, there's, there's a huge hole here with Senta still being on Aldani. We know that, that the ISB and the entire Imperial machine is going to be coming down on Aldani hard. Aldani is could very well they they may just kill everyone like that you know you yeah. keep hearing them talking about that i don't know they call it like the entertainment district or the cultural district that's essentially where they moved all of the locals and forced them in the cities and towns uh, yeah. but you'd see them just coming through and, and fucking murdering people left and right because they're, they're gonna want to figure out how this happened like who was on the inside who gave them the intel blah blah yeah. blah 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 so and cinta is going to be mixed up in that shit i mean yes. I th- I think the last time we see her, she's walking out in that Imperial officer's uniform still. But how's she going to get off planet? You, you know the planet's already locked down at this All point. Lockdown. How's anyone going to get to the planet? So I I don't think they're just going to leave it open because it would be mm-hmm. a, a fairly large hole. And she is connected to Vel, their, their lover. So, I mean, she uh, has information as well. Like She knows the, the entire details of, of this course, fucking plan that course, just went so. down. You have the entire Imperial superstructure that's now going to be sending on Aldani, scraping, you know, combing the desert to take from fucking space balls to try to figure out what the fuck happened here. I so, see, I could honestly see it, Nick, where we probably don't get this resolved in seven. It, it might not be resolved until the end, but I could almost see them, her getting captured and caught and 
one thing leads to another and they they just they decide like because you said of her knowledge that we need to get her almost like a death star rescue uh, you know maybe they come in and, and get her out who knows but they, they can't i i don't feel they can leave cinta just floating out there she, she's too big of a liability yeah like plot wise i definitely agree do i think that there is going to be a rescue mission to save her almost assuredly not like I, the I way that luthan is running this ship i wouldn't be surprised if these fuckers had cyanide capsules in their teeth yeah like old no, school you're right. fucking nazis and shit would you know or like any spy you have to have if you're captured you die you 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 die with the information. Right. Okay. You don't give it up. Well, then I could see that happening too, because I, I think yeah. she is prepared more than anyone. I mean, she seemed more prepared than even Vel, and Vel was the leader. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Cinta was the one like, "Yo, let's fucking go, bitch!" Like, say it, say the words, do yeah. it. It's go time. Uh, but they they do have to resolve Cinta. So, all right, yeah. man. Let, let's let's get on. Here's how we'll do this. First and foremost. Let, let, let us drop some knowledge on you about how the second half of the season is going to play out. And then we'll, we'll speculate on seven. That, that's how we're going to do this. So uh, up until now, it's been very clear that, that Tony is and his team has broken down the episodes into three episode story arcs. We had one through three. They told a complete story from start to finish. We had four through six. They told a complete story uh, from start to finish while also, you know, keeping the overarching plot stuff moving. Okay. So th these little trilogy blocks, as we'll call them, they tell their own contained story while also contributing to the overarching plot. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, we kind of thought that's how things are going to play out over the second half. Cause that, that's how Tony sold it. He's like, listen, we're, we're going to take the formula we used on season one, which was giving a director, a three episode block to kind of tell a story. We're going to do that in season two, but now those three episode, those trilogy blocks are going to cover a year's worth of time, tell a story, and then we'll move on. So I just figured that's how this season's going to play out. And by episode seven, we'd be in the midst of our third trilogy block. So seven, eight, nine. Well, apparently we were wrong. And Gilroy was speaking a little bit out of his butthole here. <laughs> so on the Empire Magazine podcast, he revealed that episode seven is a very interesting one. That's all he would say. But he went on to say that episodes eight, nine, and 10 form another trilogy arc. And then 11 and 12 combined are going to be the finale story. So yeah. we do have a, 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 a story process change yeah. For the final half of Andor. So we Nick, essentially have two trilogies and then a finale with a little yeah, piece, well, episode seven in the middle. Yeah, we got one more trilogy to go, but it sounds yeah. like episode seven, tomorrow's episode, or, or it's be. already out. I don't want to call it a standalone, but it's it, it's definitely going to be unique in terms of it's not going to be really setting up a three episode story. So with that knowledge in tow. Why is this one, in quotes, very interesting, do you think? What, what do you think it's going to tell us then? I think that this one may have a, a very focused view on the post-Aldani cleanup. And I, I almost, like, it would not surprise me if the next episode has very little Cassian in it. Let me put it that way. Okay, Where interesting. you are heavily focused on ISB... Imperials figuring out on Aldani what's going on. 
Then you also have your side stories that we were talking about. We we're worrying about them kind of getting lost. We also have your side stories coming in with Cyril coming back into the mix and then with Cinta still on Aldani. I think it's going to be a very contained episode is the best way that I'll put it. And the containment will be full focus on post-mortem of Aldani from the Imperial perspective. You'll have Miro or, I mean, almost for sure, like, if this is how it goes down, Cyril is going to find out about what happens. He is going to try to get in touch with Miro to say, like, you need me. You need to put me in the field so I can help you with this. Uh, or like something like he's going to want to get involved because he's going to find out about this heist. He's going to make a connection to Cassian for sure. Try to weasel his way in. You also have the outstanding story like we just mentioned with Senta still on Aldani and the Imperial presence is going to be increased there. So I think that we may get a very contained episode of like those particular characters and then a little bit of Cassian sprinkled in. But right now we know that Cassian is in like a transitionary period. Like he's finished with this mission. He doesn't seem interested even in the slightest bit to get back in touch with Luthen or to continue working with these rebellion people. So we may like have some touch points with him just trying to figure out what he's going to do next. But I do think that if we are going to have an episode that doesn't just pick up and start off on the next trilogy arc, it would be super interesting to spend a lot of time with the Imperials on this, in this episode. All right. Well, I've got a, I got it. I don't want to say a completely different take, but I definitely have different elements. So, so here we go. Uh, Like you, I I do feel like seven has to touch on some of the fallout from Albani. It'd be weird to just take a week off from that. Cause that was such a huge event in the galaxy. All right. Huge. Okay, we, we, we saw what was happening on Coruscant and all the rich people were literally shitting themselves. Yeah. So I, I agree that they, they have to give us something there, even if it's a, a quick like we go to Aldhani and you see in space. Oh, you know what? Tones is the one always bringing this up. I, you are. I think you're going to get an imperial naval blockade of the planet. And, and that's why, you know, everyone's been like, what about when Cinta looks up and sees the Star Destroyer? That there you go. That's where that's going to come in. But Nick, I I honestly think this very interesting thing, and the fact that this is a, it's not a standalone, but it's not a part of a trilogy arc. I think this could be perfect time to revisit Cassian's past. Right? Like we could, we could get some of that payoff we've been wondering. Like, are are we going to learn anything more about his fucking sister and the Canari shit and the. The, the separatists who were, were Republic officers. This is a time, as you said, where it would make sense to revisit that because Cassian, he's, he's, he's done what he said he would do. He's technically mm-hmm. free of Luthen. He's free of any contract. He even gave back the, the blue Kyber. Yep. So he is truly again on his own, on his, on the run. Now, where I could see the the tie into maybe getting some flashbacks is through the manifesto. He could mm-hmm. open it up, read some of it. Maybe he reads something about family or bonds or taking care of those who have taken care of you. And he could start thinking again about his, his sister yeah. and how he's kind of had to give up on that mission now that he's on the run himself. Uh, on the other hand, and you said this earlier, our boy Cyril didn't get 
any screen time in episode six. So I think he definitely comes back into focus prominently in episode seven. So my, my, my different take from Nick is I do think Cassian is going to get some, some screen time, but it's going to be used to flesh out more of the past and get him thinking towards the future kind of he i i could see seven being the episode where he takes some time to, to get his fucking head screwed on straight you know he, yeah. he still might have to fuck up again to learn like being on the run and doing knick-knacky jobs here or there isn't the lifestyle to to honor his past but joining the rebel alliance in in, in full in earnest that's going to be how he's going to honor what happened to him as a kid and, and potentially what may have been maybe happening to Marva or Bix or people he left on Ferrix. And then, like I said, Serial will be a, a major focus. So I'm with you on that. And hopefully this is where him and Miro at least learn of each other. And then yeah. the, the check-in on Aldhani, you have to, you can't just ignore that shit. So, so the big difference there is I, I do think Cassian will be a, a prominent part of seven in quotes, the very interesting episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do. Yeah. I, I do like that angle too. Like, yeah. Soul searching bat, m- bat, that, that's it, all I probably had to say. So yeah, casting will be soul searching and that, that is a vehicle to allow for uh, additional flashbacks or, or learning more about his past and why he may be the way he is or why he's looking for his sister, so on and so forth. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's a good call actually, you know, like having, the manifesto play a bit more of it's a the role. back it, it's this series back to tank right yeah the book of boba fett we use the back to, to do the blah, blah, blah. I, the manifesto could very well be that because like i said that that manifesto is very important to everything star wars now at least from the rebel alliance's perspective uh but yeah when tony says it's very interesting and the other thing i'll note the, i believe the dude directing this one is also going to be the guy that directs the the two two episode finale so he's still got his three episode block it's just split up now between this very interesting in quotes episode and then he'll get 11 and 12 to close it out Uh, which yeah so by the end of seven we should be at a place where we can move into the next trilogy arc which would be eight nine and ten which i which i think nick is probably going to be those scenes we saw from the trailer where cassian is in that prison uh, probably on purpose, but you know, he's, he's in those jumpsuits and we've speculated this prison could be just a bunch of scientists and engineers blindly working on knickknacky stuff for the Death Star. Uh, so I, I, I do think the eight, nine and 10 trilogy could focus on that where 11 and 12 is hopefully where Cassian starts to, to come around to it all and uh, seals himself as a, a, True yes. rebellion member. That's right. A, a, a true rebel hero, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I am interested to see where, where this next one goes because it's, it's for him to call out like, Hey, this is going to be very interesting when you know that Tony thinks that everything that he writes is very interesting. It has to be super interesting to him yeah, to be able to it's to also it. it's breaking the flow he's established yeah. over six episodes too so it is it is unique if anything it is going to be different yeah uh, I, I this one i i do not envision anyone from the filler crowd saying it was filler because if it's very interesting it should somewhat be self-contained shit's gonna happen 
<laughs> Shit's yeah. going to happen to the point where it's going to kick us into... Think of this episode, Nick. It's essentially going to have the three-episode arc feel, but it's only going to be one episode. Where, where you're going to yeah. have a, a beginning, middle, and end, and the end is going to get us ready to be primed for the beginning, middle, end of 8, 9, 10. There you yeah. go, people. So I think that's a, um, that's a solid call. The only thing that I will say is I, I, I almost expect Cassian to like not crack that manifesto until like right before the season ends. Okay. But I, I could be, I, I could definitely be off on that, you know, like I could definitely be, but I feel like, like, he just got it like what, you know, Vel gave it to him and he's like he, forced whatever. it upon him. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. like he, he really wanted it, but I, they, they made a point, Nick, didn't they, to, to really bond Nemec and Cassian. Now it's not like they were yeah. best friends, but the end, but they clearly talked the most over four five and six. I mean, Nemec really kind of bought into Cassian and, and who he was. And Cassian was also reassuring Nemec when Nemec was nervous. They, they had some sort of friendship already going. But yeah, you, you could be right. I don't. Maybe the manifesto isn't involved in potential flashback narratives, but I, I do think it is going to be one of the drivers of him. Yeah, finally making the decision in his mind, which he knows he needs to make. He can't live this life. Can't always be on the run and just scraping by and, and trying to survive. There, there's more to it. As Nemec has been trying to tell him, and Luthen has been trying to tell him. Like, listen, dude, you are, you are born for this fucking stuff. You are no, meant, yeah. you are meant to rebel. Yeah. I mean, I your definitely whole, your whole life has been fucked by people stepping on you. Like th this is you, you need to yeah. fight for those who can't. So yeah, no, I, I, right. I definitely agree with that, that like that is going to be a, the drive, like best way I could put it is like the driver for him to get there. Um, yeah, I think that the manifesto is going to be the driver. It's just like I'm I'm trying to decide like when is the best time for him to actually like crack it or like when is, you know, when is that going to going to happen? So Yeah, but yeah, good stuff. It was good hey stuff. man, it was, just, it was a good week of TV. You had that you had and Andor episode 6 the eye and then you you led into the Rings of Power finale. Just hey, like I said, it's a good time to be alive if you're a couch potato and you like geeky shit. You can't argue with me on that. All right, so um, we're actually doing really good time today, Nick. We might have some time to do Matt Mando here in a little bit. <laughs> uh, but moving on, we got, we got some updates on Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, which if you haven't been looking at your calendar, is already going to drop next Wednesday. Uh, and if you're asking, yes, I am starting to already form my ulcers about next Wednesday because I know I'm going to have an Andor episode to cover and... and what we'll find out from this topic, damn near 80 minutes of Tales of the Jedi to consider. Uh, but we did, like I said, we got some new information for Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, which drops next Wednesday in full, 1026 on Disney+. Plus. Uh, there's going to be six episodes released in total, which is not new. But we did learn that Dave Filoni himself wrote five of them. He didn't write all six, so... Dave wrote episodes titled Life and Death, Justice, The Sith Lord, that's an interesting one, Practice Makes Perfect, and Coda. Uh, so Nick, the other, the other episode is written by what I'm calling the Murrays. So there's Charles Murray and Elan Murray, and they are writing Choices. 
So those are the the title of the episodes. Um, the Sith Lord, you'd have to think, is uh, potentially uh, related to the, the Count. Because you remember, that it's three stories for Ahsoka, I believe, and three stories for Count Dooku. Yeah, so, I mean, Dooku potentially, like, Sith Lord, like, the first time that he meets Sidious, maybe? Or, like, the first time that, that, that like, he... I don't know if it's his fall. Well, I... I think we're going to see it at least, or he says something shady because in the trailer we see him fighting Yaddle, just like he fought Yoda. Like they're, they're, yeah. they're not just having a friendly Jedi duel. I mean, the, the, she's like flopping around doing her acrobatics with her lightsaber out. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, it, it, maybe they could be tricking us and the Sith Lord is that inquisitor type of thing we, we see in one of the Ahsoka episodes, which is probably going to be in the, in the future, or at least set after the Clone Wars. Uh, but no, I, I'm listen. I'm excited for Tales of the Jedi. I think it's going to be excellent. Apparently, uh, people got screeners already, and they're allowed to talk about them. And everyone's fairly high on it. Just like, listen, hey, it's it's great animated Star Wars as animated Star Wars has been. It is a Dave baby, so you know it's going to be uh, done right. Although Nick, I I know you don't fuck around on social media, but this this just again shows you how fucking fickle and quickly in in. Uh, zero how would i how, how's this you fickle and you li- you literally have no long-term memory if you're a star <laughs> wars fan because i'm i shit you not my friend people are already making memes essentially making fun of dave filoni star wars when compared to tony gilroy star wars are you just like not kidding uh, not fucking kidding <laughs> I just saw I saw a new one today. It's the shot of Andor from Episode Two, where the rock music comes in, and he's yeah. you know he's walking through that that salvage yard, and there, there's nothing. They're like Tony Gilroy Star Wars, and then they showed the same image, but they cropped in like Ahsoka, Boba Fett, a bunch of Easter eggs, you know, like lore stuff that you expect yeah. from Dave Filoni. Like that's a bad thing, but apparently now. Dave Filoni also sucks to the, I, I, the, the wing of Star Wars fans that like nothing more than the bitch about Star Wars. Just like the ultimate recency bias. Like that's there you the go. That, that, I don't even thing. know. I don't even know if that's real, but that sounds right. Like that actually sounds like, like a, some sort of uh, something you'd hear from a shrink. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Like if you've ever, here's, <laughs> here's the way I'll put it. If you've ever listened to like the Joe Rogan podcast, um, you know, like the Joe Rogan podcast, like whoever's on Joe Rogan's podcast, he essentially agrees with. It's like, yeah, he, he it, doesn't it, challenge it, anyone. And that, that's yeah, why it, I think Joe Rogan is a dangerous piece of shit because he yeah. lets on anyone say whatever they want. And most and of the times, like, Nick, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. He agrees. He's like, yeah, that probably is a good idea. So it's like whatever. So like whatever is in front of Joe Rogan's face is what Joe Rogan agree agrees with at that <laughs> moment in time. And like, that's kind of what's happening in Star Wars now. It's like whatever is in front of their face at the moment is like, oh my God, this is the best Star Wars ever. Like, you know, it's like, that's kind of what's happening. It's like Tony Gilroy's Star Wars is in front of me now. So that means that yeah. Dave Filoni's Star Wars is bad. I was shocked. I, honestly, I was shocked. I mean, joke or not, I'm just like, really? This is it. Like, you've, you've all have proven yourselves. You, you just love to hate stuff or just to be angry at Star Wars. I mean, 
six months ago, year ago, Dave Filoni is Jesus to these yeah. people. I mean, they're, they're making now, the Jesus memes or, or the Simba meme where they're holding them up, the circle of life. Now, Dave Filoni is a putz because he infuses too much lore and, and references and, and Easter eggs into his Star Wars. It's like, you fucking cunts. Yeah, you're a like, bunch what? of salty cunts. You're, you're whatever the recency fuck Nick said. That's what, yeah, you're right. You all have that, whatever Nick said. Recency bias. There you go. Recency jerk offs. Bias. I mean, jerk offs. <laughs> like, why, no, why, why are you I people mean, even sharing this meme? I mean, to me, that's fucking sacrilegious, right? Give me a break. Yeah, I could care I mean, less because I, I, I know there are sensitive people listening to this show. Share whatever meme you want. It's fine. I just think it's funny that we're, we've now made it to the point where Dave Filoni is also bad for Star Wars. It's like, oh, come God. on. Uh, and then the last oh, thing on, on Last of the Jedi, my friend, so you can plan your, your, how much time you need to take out of your day. Uh, so here we go. Lanks. In total, you're looking around 80 minutes, but episode one, 17, episode two, 14 minutes, episode three, 13 minutes, episode four, 15 minutes, episode five, a 10 bagger, and then episode six will be 14. Okay, so these all come out next Wednesday, 1026. They'll drop all at once. And the way I'm kind of working through things in my head and just the way my life is built, I may not get to the last of Jedi stuff until later in Wednesday, and that's just going to be okay. Andor clearly is the kind of the hot topic right now. Although that means that Dave is going to like drop some sort of bombshell revelation in Tales of Jedi. <laughs> I just know it. I know he's going to put something in there that's going to be like, see, that happened to then, and that's why Ahsoka is like this, or that's why Dooku's like that. And it's like the next <laughs> big fucking trend in Star Wars videos, but who gives a shit? No one's going to watch anyways. Uh, so keep an eye out. It, it's going to be a busy Star Wars Wednesday next week. I agree with Kingdom of Weird in the live stream chat. They could have at least dropped Tales of the Jedi on a Friday. No fucking shit. Come on, Disney. Give us a break. We yes. only want one Star Wars program to consume a day, not two. Okay. Yeah, Nick, like I said, let's, let's do a little Matt Mando. Still, let's look at a little Matt Man. Yeah, if you All got right. the cards handy, let's while you're getting them, I'll kind of set it up. Every once in a while, when we got some time on the cast, uh, we do uh, the Matt Mando game, which stems from a card game Nick was given. I believe you can buy it on Amazon. It's got different tiers of questions. It has the super duper challenging ones, and it has the easier ones. And I, of course, always go super duper. Nick can give me multiple choice if I ask for a helpline. But I lose points. So the, the, the goal here is to knock off all five questions without asking for the multiple choice. This is true. Everything that Matt said is correct. I have the questions ready. See, Bat, Matt, Bat's already fucking with my head. Tails will be bigger <laughs> than Endor. He, I know he's right. I know. I, I'm telling you, Dave's going to put something in Tails next week that is going to blow up like the, the, the Star Wars nerddom, which is, I, which is who I create for. <laughs> All right, sorry, Nick. Go ahead. Let, let, let's do it. It's Matt Mando. It's Matt Mando time. Is he going to lose and freak out? We'll just have to play. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, question one I feel like you're going to nail this one right off the bat. This is, seems like an easier one. What color are Dark Trooper's eyes? Okay. You said Dark Troopers, not Death Troopers. So, Dark, dark Troopers troop. have red eyes. Correct. What? What are red? What is red <laughs> eye? 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, we should do it in Jeopardy right. somehow. What are red? What are red? That is correct. So that is a total of two points for Matt. What are the colorings of an incinerator stormtrooper? A lot of color. Okay, I, I got this one. The incinerator guy, he's the one that walked in and Grogu was like, You shall not pass! So he yes. was wearing his traditional white, but with red striping. Correct. Right, white with red stripe. All right. Next question says four out of four so far in terms of points for Matt. What does Kuwil ask Cara Dune to conceal? I can give you the... the uh, I, I think I got... Um, uh, her tattoo? Yes, her rebel tattoo. Yeah! Three for three. Six oh, points. Oh, Cara, we miss you. <laughs> All right. This one's super easy. I can't even believe that this is. And this is on the hard ones. Okay. Yeah, this, these are the two All point right. questions. Okay. What does Mando freeze his bounties in for safe delivery? Ooh, the mm. freezer carbonite. Come on. Yes. Same thing Luthen uses to freeze bullwhips from other franchises. Very true. <laughs> carbonite. Correct. Killed it. Uh, last one here. What signet does? The Mandalorian get on his right pauldron again. The mud right horn. Easy. The mud horn. Get Correct. some. Eat it. I'm the best. Ten points out All of right. ten. I needed that because the last time we played it, I that I had my worst yeah. outing to date. So thank yeah, I you. Think you had like one wrong, and you had like one that you needed to get the. Send me bomb. some trophies. Do what you got to do. Praise Correct. be me. Speaking of praise being, the uh, wedding was at a Catholic. Church, holy shit, dude. Talk about, that's been a long time since I've been in one of those houses, and my goodness, it's no different. I mean, people that aren't Catholic, they looked at me like, wasn't his sermon kind of, like, kind of depressing and angry? I'm like, no, that's Catholicism. Like, everything is bad. Like, if you don't do, you know, you don't love God and admit your sins, everything's bad. Because he really was like, marriage is tough, you got sacrifice, sacrifice, death, and it's like holy shit! Like this is some fucking dark age stuff. But that's that's a Catholic that's, mass for you. That's some like some Catholics get like super into like the the doom and the death. Oh and yeah, the, that, that, well that that's that's the Catholicism I was raised at <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's the one thing it helped me on. It, it was it, you know all all religion exists for at least in my mind, but it's in reality is to ensure those are too dumb to figure out the golden rule, you know, like don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Just don't be an asshole. Yeah, they, they needed, they needed to create like, no, if you fuck up, you're literally going to get cooked in hell and stuff. It's like that. That's why that stuff exists. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I will admit, I mean, it, it did put the fear of God in me. I was, I always felt bad when I jerked off as a little kid. I thought I was <laughs> going to go to hell just for masturbating or swearing or even thinking thoughts were you like, were you that bad, Nick? Where if you just thought something bad, I used to go like, oh, fuck. God just heard it. I'm dead. He's going to fucking kill me, man. <laughs> like, I'm at fucking a certain screwed. point in my life, I definitely did. Okay. I definitely had that. I mean, obviously, I think we've both now grown beyond that. Yeah. Um, and I, hey, but, like I said, like, yeah, there, there, I, there are some takeaways so from my Catholic upbringing. I'm like, you know, it did keep me on the straight and narrow for the most part because i i was always worried like he was hearing me and i was going to get struck by fucking lightning <laughs> and, and even like i 
when I broke my leg in eighth grade, I had a big fight with my mom and then I went sled riding and immediately snapped my leg so bad it, it turned sideways and I was in, an, in a wheelchair for six months. And I literally said, I, God did that to me to punish me for being a shithead to my mom. And I still believe it to this day, even though I don't really <laughs> believe in gods, but that shit was strong. Uh, I'm just glad these yeah. days I can jerk off with zero guilt. You know what I mean? I just, I can oh, do yeah. it whenever it feels good. I'm like, Hey, this, this is natural. No, I am <laughs> not going to of, burn in hell life. for this. <laughs> a- animals do it. Yeah, animals, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, uh, masturbation is a part of the animal kingdom, a natural part of life as <laughs> uh, Yoda would say. Oh, good. I love talking about jerking off. Wait, I, I forget where this comes from. It might have been She-Hulk. By the way, the She-Hulk finale was fucking great. That that show is so bonkers. Oh, I, dude, I fucking loved that, it. That team of writers deserves an award just for being so fucking off the wall with that finale. My God. Uh, I forget where I was going. Who cares? She-Hulk was good. All right. Kevin, the Kevin bot. Yeah, it was oh just like, they're just God. straight making fun of fucking Feige. I mean, she literally uh, crawls out of the Disney Plus screen. It's like, yeah, what, what is going on here? I, at some point, I was like, what that? the fuck is going on? Taylor loved that. She's like, wait, did it like close by accident? And then nah. I was like, I think this is a part of it. And then she like punches through the She-Hulk thing and like looks around. I mean, that was... I, that uh, that's beyond fourth wall breaking. I don't even know what you call that. Great. I mean, that's like fourth wall 4D. But I I I I completely dug the way they they wrote that show. Like it was so wildly unique. It was all fun. But I, I did have a point, and the point was talking about She-Hulk <laughs> finale. So I guess we're moving on to the fan moving segment on. here. Uh, I must be searching for toys because I got a lot of Entertainment Earth ads up on the site today. But worry not. <laughs> We're at the fan segment of the Star Wars Time Show. We do it every week, unlike other Star Wars fan podcasts. If you want to get involved, you don't have to pay us. We don't paywall any content. We want to interact with you all. So the first way to do that is through our question of the week, which these days I've been throwing up on a Monday night based on some feedback, but I I honestly think we get better juice on the Tuesday morning for some reason. So who knows? Point being, question of the week will go up on our Instagram account at Star Wars Time Show. So check it out. It's going to be in the stories, and it's also going to be uh, in our profile grid. Okay, and you just got to look at the prompt, leave a a story comment or just a comment on the post. Nick will go through on Tuesdays and curate them, and then we will read them and hopefully have a good laugh based on the level of grammar that is provided. We also sometimes discuss the comment and if the commenter is stupid or not. So if you want to get involved in something like that, at Star Wars Time Show Monday evening or throughout the day Tuesday before the show goes live, you can leave your responses. All right. Um, So this week's question, it's another easy one, as we will rely on for the next six weeks. Two weeks, uh, yeah. Uh, while Andor, how how'd I do this? Did I? What was your favorite or least favorite part from Andor episode six, the I? So I didn't fuck up my grammar this week. So Nick, who do we get? What, yes. What, what say the fans here? The fans say first one, Ripic underscore underscore tan he's always in the in the comments and he's in the story replies for the for the question of the week as should all of you he says it was just so fucking good every single thing about it was just so fucking good i don't have a specific answer there you go i mean i 
Hey. Nick and I, we got a little more specific, but in the end, we probably could have just hit record and said, and or episode six was just so fucking good. Every single thing about it was just so fucking good. The end. So you're, you're not wrong, Ripic, and thank you for being one of the few that promote our content. And I can see up there in our DMs at Star Wars Time Show, awesome and hilarious recap of Star Wars comic number 28. So thank you, Ripic. Okay, now we'll get into the post comments. Post replies, yes. So first up comes from High Ground Collectibles. I believe that High Ground left a couple of of comments, but I chose his honorable mention. Um, He says, uh, honorable mention, the eye showed us the largest heist in Star Wars cinematic history. This is not only... This not only helps fans understand how the rebellion got a chunk of funding, but continues the trend of how bank robberies always sell in cinematography. It's not wrong. Um, yeah. So I thought that that was a fun little comment over there. I never, like, we don't get to see, I guess the, was the first heist that we ever saw in star Wars. That was in solo, right? The, the, uh, the, um, yeah. Coaxium heist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I there, that there that was, was like multiple. Hi- yeah. There was like a double coaxium heist. You had the, the train, Heist on Vandor the, and then on Kessel, you had the, the bigger one. The bigger one, yeah. So, um, fun little call out there. Biggest, yeah, it's not Star wrong Wars though, because I mean, even in the book of Boba Fett, that train heist was one of the, the more memorable visual yep. scenes. So, yeah. So, uh, um, we speak your name, good. High Ground Collectibles. Good. Sounds, so. sounds like you're not in the filler crowd. <laughs> uh, Lima Four Photos says, I love the twist where Skeen turned out to be after the money more than Cassian was. Uh, this also led us to a great moment where Cassian showed that he is willing to do whatever it takes for the people he cares, or in this case, people he's grown to care about. Cassian always shoots first. I will say this, that I don't necessarily agree that Cassian was willing to do whatever it takes for the people that he cares about, especially if Lima is talking about like the Aldani crew. I'm guessing it was just Val. At that point, it would have just been Val. It, it would have just been Val or even himself, like, you know, like to a certain degree, like, um, like Cassian was more killing Skeen to protect himself than he was to protect everybody else. Yeah, I feel I, like I, I, I don't even know if it was protecting. I, I think Cassian he just likes taking out the trash. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's like he, fuck this guy. If he finds a bad egg, he's gonna fucking shoot you in the head. Which is weird that he didn't blow out blow away Cyril when he had him dead to rights. But hey, we 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 gotta have foils correct you got to have a foil so that's why he got to live true true all right next up so lima you're not you're not technically correct he does not always shoot first because yeah he left cyril alive cyril's still alive so that doesn't hold true we still speak your name uh black sun collectible says when luther goes into the back of his shop starts laughing after finding out the heist was successful absolutely fantastic Luther, new character, you may have missed him, but he was also in the back of the shop with Luther. He was kind of off in the corner and having his own little laugh. But Luther, and then then uh, we also have Luthen Vandros. He is a a lounge singer that sometimes uh, uh, you know will do stops at the the at the cantina. Yep, exactly. Good old Luthen and Luther. 
Uh, good stuff there, Black Sun Collectibles. Thank you very much for your comment. Next up, your friend here. Oh, this, this guy. You, you let this fucker make the cut? <laughs> hey, I, I left him out last week because I saw that he was making some Jar Jar <laughs> comments dickhead. last week, but I was like, I'll toss him in this way. He's EKU Rory, one of yeah. Matt's good friends. He says, should have been a Jar Jar constellation in the eye. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure this guy may play with himself. Two Jar Jar Binks pornos. You know what I mean? He does seem to have a very like he, a fetish almost for 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 Jar. He, he is fixated on Lord Binks. Uh who I, I honestly I don't know why. I think like because during the prequel times we were in college and Jar Jar was the big bad, you know, he was the the black sheep of the prequels. I've never truly had an issue with Jar Jar. I mean he Me was, neither. Like, he was exactly who he was. I mean, there was some odd story choices with him and but he's jar jar I, I ain't got a problem with the guy in fact i think i shared it today and i actually remember who it was is this is this artist on instagram manny johnson 69 see that's i have a penchant for memorizing useless information but he put out like a warrior jar jar shot and it was fucking kick ass like i completely bought into war uh, jar jar as a badass thanks to even the- manny shot <laughs> i uh, mean like i would I would love to see a redemption arc for for Jar Jar in some way, but I th- it's already been canonized that he essentially turns yeah, into like a street clown, and then yeah, he's like a just beggar dies. on the side of a street. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like yeah, he's so. basically homeless. He he busks. He's like a busker and probably yeah. sleeps in an alley. It's kind of sad. Yeah, so he, he got used and abused. The poor guy. Unfortunately, there is no redemption for Jar Jar, but I would uh, I would like to see some. Some cool ass Gungans at one point, you know, like bring in a badass Gungan warrior. Other Should've than the, you know, the best the, part is, is there's two likes on this comment. <laughs> there are two likes. <laughs> two people went through been a Jar and they're like, "Fuck yeah, man, Jar Jar constellation. That's what we need." That'd been, yeah, that'd been funny if they're like, "Ooh, ooh." Nemec's like, "Look, climb, climb. <laughs> Why? We have to see the Jar Jar constellation." <laughs> Like, we have to it. exit through the Gungan's <laughs> mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, take a right at his ear. Oh, yeah. man. All right. Well, there you go, EKU. You made it. You made it. You made the cut. KU Rory. Thanks. So, thank like you Nick for said, yours. yeah, th- th- I always love the uh, question of the week. It's better when we get like mumble mouth style questions because I-, I just I love listening to Nick try to read bad grammar. It's, it's one nice. of the it's- highlights of my week. So shame on all of you for for using Grammarly or whatever you're doing these days on your comments to make them somewhat readable. I kind of miss that aspect of this segment where it's like, I be I be not liking them Star Wars and shit. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> thank you for your yeah, comment. Yeah. But I, I just like hearing Nick say that stuff. All right, man. Well, that leads us into the the second phase of the fan segment, the big one here, the one that a lot of our diehards are tuning in for, and that is the top five Star Wars fan artist features of the week, which happens every Tuesday. But before that, every other day, I'm building up a portfolio of extremely awesome Star Wars art of any flavor cosplays you could be shooting your own fucking movie it doesn't matter if you've taken a dump that looks like job of the hut we want to <laughs> see it and we may feature it all you got to do is tag us using ad tag star wars time show please there's some of you i see it out there i know you want us to see your work but we don't 
because you're either doing at Star Wars Time Show. That doesn't work. The hashtag, we want you to use it, but it's not always reliable. So don't do the ad tag and then add our account to that at Star Wars Time Show. So I'll feature those out throughout the week. Then Nick sits down on Monday and chooses his top five, which we're about to discuss. And this uh, this top five covers October 10 to October 17. All right, Nick, take it away. Yes, sir. And speaking of sir, the first person up in our top five this week is at Sir Dork 730. <laughs> Good. Our, our, one of our, our goats, if you've been a longtime listener, Mount Rushmore, goat. Lots of titles have been thrown towards Sir Dork's way, and he continues to put out bangers like this one. So what we see here is kind of a play on something that we saw in the first season of Mandalorian where you would see, you know, um, on Navarro, you would see the, the, the spikes with the stormtrooper helmets on them. But what Sir Dork has done here is he's got the spikes, he's got the, the helmets on them and stuff, but he's also got uh, some, some street signs. Yeah, it's a play on the sign. It's a play yeah. on this is the way. It's a, this that's is what, the way. So, but, it's a, but the way they're posed, right, Nick? That's what sells it. it, it there, you there's got, so many different ways. Yeah, you got one <laughs> way going north. You got one way going west. You got uh, this is the way going east. So yeah. Mando is looking down at Grogu, and they both have their arms up like, well, what fucking way should we go? And yeah. that, that, that's, that's the charm of this shot. And, it, hey, it's not your typical Sir Dork. There's, there's no fucking fire. I don't see any gasoline. I don't see any dynamite. There's no nitroglycerin. It's just he just did a nice, simple particle bump, you know, just probably got in there with his drain cleaner, air spray, knowing him, maybe a fucking straw in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's the subject, right? It's the the it signage is. and then the pose of Mando. And I just I like Grogu because he's looking at him like, why are you fucking asking me? You're the big one. Like, you, you're the one that should know this shit. So it, it's just, as I said, when we shared it, it's, it's too clever at Sir Dork 730. And um, while we're talking about the guy, since he, he always, being one of the bigger accounts, he is definitely one of our biggest cheerleaders. So uh, I just want to draw everyone's attention to his latest post, which we also featured, which is kicking off his theme for uh, October. Uh, he does themes every month and, and hosts live streams and talks about the submissions. I like to think he borrowed the idea from us and just made it better and ran with it. Uh, but this month's theme, if you want to get involved, is Sir Dorks. What's the hashtag here? I don't want to screw it up, but it's it's with Funko Pops, which, you know, that, that kind of goes back to my my roots here. Here we go. So the theme this month for Sir Dork, if you're into his live streams and themes you need to incorporate a funko pop into a toy photo post your photo on instagram using hashtag sir dork pops and then also make sure to tag just like i told you add tag sir dork 730 and uh, you get one one sub per person and jared will literally go through the top 100 photos on a live stream which is also going to be uh, kind of doing a, a charity fundraiser for Pops for Patients. So uh, because Jared's always trying to promote us, even though his legions of fans could give a rat's ass, I still want to do it in turn yeah. because, uh, like I said, he's, he's probably the biggest account that I feel like is a, a diehard Star Wars Time Show fan. That does mean something to me. So there you go, at SirDork730. Give him a follow. Uh, great guy in person. 
online, if you're into this toy photography stuff, he's the dude to latch into in terms of a YouTube channel because he's got all the content you need to start lighting shit on fire, trying to blow up your fingers, and making action figures look badass. Right. He is the best. All right. Next up, at visual underscore approach underscore photo gives us this amazing like uh you know stormtroopers out in the field so what we see is a a squadron of stormtroopers that are all kind of flanking a tank you see the tank trooper in there driving the tank and then off in the background you see the the big atst kind of making its way across the landscape as well awesome little mountain range in the background nice foliage up in the front it's like a it's a it's a shot that one, I think, is the first time that that's been featured in a top five that actually uses a tank vehicle, um, and and it prominently features two tank commanders. So I just thought that the whole composition of the shot was really awesome, um, and and puts stormtroopers in a position to where we don't usually see them. So uh, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, Sean at Visual Approach Photo, another just fucking heavyweight in in the toy photography wing of Instagram. If you haven't checked it out, one of my favorite follows and it is, it, it's just, it, it's a great, I believe this is all a, a, a small scale, like star Wars three, seven, five. Wow. So your, your traditional, the vintage collection figures, uh, but the way, you know, visual approach layers his shot these days. And, and sometimes it's forced perspective. Sometimes it's not, uh, I, I don't really think he uses a lot of digi. So that very well could be a, 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 a painting or a, or a printout okay. of that, that mountain range. But the other stuff is all all practical, and it shows. It's just it's a great shot, great em- empire shot. And as I said, I just I like the sense of scale. Those mountains really help the foreground pop, and and make the scene feel like it. I mean, it almost feels like it's the field and sound of music. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that's kind of what it reminds me of. So just more great work from at visual underscore approach underscore photo. In fact, that's where I saw the Dave Filoni meme. So I don't know if visual is, is down with that or if he just thought it was funny or ironic like I do and shared okay. it, but hopefully he's not in the camp of now Dave Filoni's no yeah, good because Dave Filoni he, he, he gives you too much fan service. Yeah. I like how the, the, the sentiment has changed on fan service so quickly. Um, anyway, but uh, visual approach photo, always a pleasure to see his work. Make sure to give him a follow. Uh, next up at collector underscore of underscore beautiful underscore things Dig. collector of beautiful things. Uh, and what we see here is a, uh, a marching order of Mandalorians as they make their way. It almost looks like through Endor, but that's just because it's a very like mossy and, and, and dense forest. Oh, yeah, it, it, it's just a great outdoor yeah. location. Beautiful. I mean, wherever collector was at, I mean, th- this is a kick-ass little chunk of woods. Yeah. So what we see here is you can see in the first position, I think is just, is that just like straight up like blue Boba Fett? That, that, no, that, that's a Death Watch, Death Watch member. Death so. Watch member. Blue Fett. If you remember from back in the day, blue I Bo- dubbed <laughs> them Blue Fett when they were released. Yeah. Um, you can see... Um, I believe you can see right behind him is is Bo Katan, and then off Casca. Yeah, I would say off, kind of to the left of Bo is Casca, and then all the way in the back you see uh, Paz Vizsla, you see Heavy Mando, and then I think 
maybe that might be Axe Woe's like way, yeah, way. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> it does look like the Axe figure, but I, I didn't even think the Axe was out yet. So collector might have got him from overseas. But yeah, it's just it's it's the Mandos in blue, or you know, technically, I think we can assume that maybe Costco at one point was also Death Watch. Paz very well could have been. I mean, he likes the blue. He is a fucking Vizsla. His, you know, one of his ancestors created Death Watch along with Bo. Yeah. Uh, but it, t- to me, Nick, this shot, it's just, it's the outdoor setting, the the natural light, the bokeh pop. I mean, some fantastic bokeh in this shot because of those trees and the light coming through there. You're getting all those those little bokeh circles uh, yeah, I just like I I love outdoor Star Wars toy photography. Yeah. That's kind of where I where I got into it and would like to get back to. Uh, I just I can't get there. I don't I don't know what it is. It's it's a mental malfunction at this point. I have a lot of toys to shoot, and it's not that I don't want to, but anytime I have a chance to shoot them, my brain's going. Nah, there, you'd rather do something else, other like things play a video do. game or, or, or sit around, yeah, shit like that. So, yeah, yeah. I'll get there's there. More, there's more important priorities, right? Uh, uh, otherwise, I am completely going to run out of room because <laughs> the way I work, it's like if I get something, it needs to be shot before it goes away. And now nothing's been shot for like six months. So it's all building up around. So yeah, me. eventually I mean, you will see a, a pile of, of toys up to Nat, Matt's neck as we're podcasting. And it's because that he's he's run out of physical space to keep. Him. I have like to my if you're on the live stream, if you're looking to my left now where you can see a lot of my shit, there are 11 individual hot toys standing up there right now. 11 hot Ooh. toys standing up that I've received probably over the last three, three or four months. Okay. So I got to get there. Although I was I, I, I sold the intern on the on the Vader Black Series helmet oh, last week. He was really interested in that. Th- these helmets are great. I know. I mean, and I think when I, saw I think there's video, something yeah. like it was, it, they're kind of like more your style of collectible like prop collecting you know I mean? type of thing. Yeah. But yeah, but also looks cool in a room. I mean, these honestly, if I had more room last week during whatever fuck prime day that was, I probably would have bought four or five more helmets because they Nick, they're all half price. Dude, I mean, they're selling these helmets for like 50 bucks. The Mando helmet was like $60. And I the only reason I bought it and then I canceled it because I was going, dude. Where are you going to fucking it, yeah, put it? Where's it going to go? Like, I'm glad that I stayed away from the prime, from the prime day sale. Honestly, like I, I only got a few things. Like I got, I got the memory card you shot yes. me. And how about, dude, did you have a fucking hell of a time trying to jam that little fucker into the steam deck? I will say that the first time I tried to put it in, it like shot right back out. Cause I didn't click it in. Like I didn't push hard enough to click it. So it was a little bit trickier, but I eventually got it in there and you know, it w- but it- dude, I'm telling. At one point, man, <laughs> I I almost like I was approaching. I call it like to to my family. I just describe it as it's a brain melt. I could be, I could be laughing one moment, but if I try a simple task and it doesn't go the way I think it should, my brain just goes like, yeah. like that. <laughs> I'm not kidding, dude. I I was either gonna take the fucking memory stick and just jam it in with a fucking screwdriver, like. Now you now you're going in, you little fucking bitch. Now you're in there, which would have exploded the entire Steam Deck, or I was just gonna throw it away. Like literally, just take this, the the memory card. And be like, hey, fuck you. I don't need this stress. See you later. Here, here's here's fifty, sixty dollars in the trash. Yeah. 
But luckily, I took a few deep breaths and it finally snapped in. But man, I'm telling you, I almost called you. I was almost like, "What the fuck? Like, how did you? Am get I this fucking work? stupid or, or or what? Like, why is this thing not sliding into the chamber and actually staying down in there?" But I figured it got out. It in Nothing there. died. So yeah, I got one of those. Nothing and died. Then I, um, we like Taylor picked up some like uh, some household stuff so that's all we that's all we did but it was weird like the helmets were on a fire sale last week also at best buy so i uh i held strong though ordered the mando but canceled it subsequently after i realized like dude you got 11 hot toys an egg attack the boba helmet fucking gtp space walls there's no room you can't even put them on top of your glass shelves because you've got a razor crest up there you got a thanos up there you got a snow speeder you got a regular speeder you got luke's land speeder there is no fucking room for helmets stop (laughs) all right i did it good stuff held back but um all right next up in the top five because we're still on the top five people is a shot from at average.guy.collects. And when I saw this shot at first, I was like, oh man, this looks like a Chez shot because Chez loves to shoot outside. He usually doesn't have grass, but it, it looks very similar to what he shoots. So what we see here is Mando outside of the Razor Crest that has landed on the like this nice little golden field. And then next to him is little Brogu in his bassinet. And it's just a nice little... Brogu Mando shot as they as they step out of the the Razor Crest on a nice serene uh, little open field, and I just think that it's it's very crisp shot. It, it captures the Razor Crest in all of its former glory, um, and I think that average guy uh, did a great job of getting some good lighting and and, and good composure here. No, yeah, I'm with you, man. It's it's one of those shots that really sells why all of you probably feel like assholes for not buying the uh the razor crest uh it may very well be the last Haslab project for star wars that ever gets funded but it was well worth it i mean it is i'm not a huge 375 person even though that's how i started really my whole life i was 375 until i saw black series photography and then obviously now i've moved all the way up to the to the luxury lines but it's just, it's such a great collectible piece. This Razor Crest is a thing of beauty, and Average Guy Collects nails it. You don't need to do much to sell this thing as a wonderful piece of mem- memorabilia. memorabilia, I'll even say, from the first season and a half of The Mandalorian. It's just, it's great. And really, Nick, I think the thing that that sells it as, hey, that's the Razor Crest, it's that... It's that light reflection there up on the That's canopy. What I, was I don't say, know why like that right that up like just front. that like just leads your eye into the subject, and then you just kind of follow it through, and you're like, yeah, that that's just a, a great static shot of the crest and its owner and his companion. Yeah, no, very well executed shot, and it really does kind of highlight it. He does a great job of highlighting the the, the features of the of the razor crest, even though you know it's kind of a pulled out shot. So. Uh, good stuff there at Average Guy Collects on Instagram. And the last one this week, Matt, you knew I was going to put it in there as soon as you oh, featured I I, it. I, <laughs> I liked, I mean, listen, I, I always think Star Wars can beat any other franchise, but when when I saw a shot with Vader and Sauron in it, Ooh. I was like, I need to do this for Nick. And so. <laughs> dude, this thing's got 1,600, almost 1,700 likes. It 
it popped it for popped sure. Off. So this is from. So hey, first off, thank you from uh, the yeah, outer exactly. rim. Like, listen, we're, we're we're not idiots. We understand by featuring, we get it. We you know we get some benefit from it too. But thank you at so, from the outer rim for coming up with a creative crossover here yeah. with by pitting the Dark Lord of the Sith versus literally the the, the Dark, Dark Lord. Lord himself, the, the Dark Lord of the Rings. And I mean. Um, you could probably give more insight into these figures, but I mean, so what we see here is essentially the back of Vader, his lightsaber out and ignited. And then we see Sauron in all of his glory from the second age, second age Sauron, the one that we will eventually see at the end of rings of power, um, standing. And what's fun is it's they're in a, a fiery lava ridden type of environment could be Mustafar could be uh Mordor. It almost looks like in the background kind of looks a little bit more like, um, yeah, it's, it's more Mordor, yeah. but, but listen, Hey, and that's why I think these two together work in, in this scene is yeah. Vader also enjoyed the shadow lands, yeah. right? I mean, Mu- Mustafar looks just like fucking Mordor, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. It. It, it's got the, the, you know, the red skies, the sun's blotted out on one side of the planet. So I, um, I, I, I dig it. And I've always liked this style of Sauron. I, I think this is the, the Weta Workshop, the Peter Jackson Sauron. I believe it's, it's the model from his movies, which they, they kind of honored in Rings of Power with their depiction of Sauron. They still gave him that big, tall crown and that, that uh, foreboding looking armor. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, while we're looking at this, who wins then? Ooh-hoo. Vader or, or Sauron? I, I do think like, okay, so here here's one thing that I will say. Like, Sauron, we know he has magical powers. We've never really seen him, like, put them to use, for lack of a better word. Like, you know, in, in obviously in Lord of the Rings, he's just an eye, so he doesn't have a physical body. Well, you're right, but at the... um that the the opening sequence where you actually see the battle yeah. you notice he when grows. like he grows yeah. to like gigantic Gigant. size yeah. i think vader beats him i'm just going to be I'll, I'll put it out there um i think vader beats him this is a this, i mean i, I the, i'm the one that said vader always wins but if you really want to get dorky vader is still a he's he's a human being he is he is Sauron is literally a demigod like he's a spirit by nature that inhabits he can he can take other forms he he's literally literally a magical being himself but we've seen him I mean, if he, like if all it takes is to cut the ring off the finger we saw like Numenorians yeah, he you know. but he doesn't die he, he doesn't, doesn't die. die he doesn't die. he just he 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 can't take physical form yes uh, it, 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 th- listen, this is a fun one. You could sit around all day with all your dorky, nerdy friends and everyone's going to have yeah. a different outcome, but it, it would be a, an evenly matched thing. But yeah, if, if, if Vader could get a hold of a ring, it would be, it would It'd be, be over. over. It'd be over. Uh, Cause he wouldn't need to put it on. He already has power and influence. He'd just be, he'd, he'd throw it right into the fucking fire and walk yeah. away. So I, I, I will say that I think Vader takes it, but I think it would be like, if Sauron can get a hold of him, then it's a different story because I, that, that is one thing that, that I think that Vader could do a good job at is like keeping distance, using the force to kind of like keep himself on the outside. So you don't necessarily have to get like right within mace swinging range. Like we saw at the beginning of Lord of the Rings where he's like taking out 15 people at a time with his mace. Right. Right. Um, you know, I think if, if Vader can get that angle, 
then he's got a better shot where he can stay on the outside and stuff. But it would be, man, that's one of those like clash of, of worlds that I would love to see play out in some form or yeah, fashion. It's like, I mean, I, I like this discussion. Cause you're, you're thinking like, what, what could he do to Vader with the ring on? Cause it's, I don't think he could mentally influence. Him. No, no, I don't. Cause, cause he could, he couldn't even mentally influence elves. I mean, he, even with the one ring, he couldn't control elves. He could only really control humans. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what would he do to Vader with the ring on? Would he, would he try to lift them up? Would he try to rip them apart? I mean, I, I, you would think Vader's force could counter most of those yeah. and you, attacks. And you can imagine like what, what Palpatine has put Vader through can't be much worse than what Sauron can do, right? You oh know? yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Palpatine is, he's a more evil person than even Sauron. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, like Sauron, you got, he, he just, you know, he just wanted to do his thing. He, he wanted to like have people follow his, like, his look, man, I just want to have dominion over all of middle yeah. earth. You know, right, yeah, <laughs> you guys can have the, the, the fucking Island. You can have uh, Valinor, just let me hang out with these slobs, these human slobs and dwarves on Middle that's Earth, right. and we'll fuck it all up. But that's it. Like, we don't, we don't want anything more than that. That's right. So, um, fun shot there from at From the Outer Rim. Beautiful crossover of two of our favorite franchises here on the Star Wars Time Show. I almost feel like he did this just for us. Uh, so Yeah, yeah why not? Yeah. That's I mean, right. honestly, I want this fucking Sauron figure. The more Pretty I look sick. at it, like, I, I could use myself a one six scale Sauron, I think. Uh, but that's it. That's the just, end just of the top five. That's All the right. end of Kick the ass. show. So, Matt, bring us home. You got it, buddy. Sorry. My, my neighbor is literally blowing me up about he's, he's going through the final two episodes of, of oh, Rings right. of Power. <laughs> nice. And I'm like, he's like, Whoa. I was like, dude, trust me. Just save it. Watch the finale. It's coming. Everything you're you're sitting here getting worked up about, you're you're gonna get clarity. And it, it, his last update was, I don't believe the beginning. I still have my thoughts on who Sauron is. I'm like, just hey, like I said, <laughs> just, just fucking be patient. Just be patient. All right, but next right, SWTS E two three five has come to a close. Hey, it looks like we had someone new join us here. I've never seen this person in the stream before. Welcome, Linda Matsumoto. We speak your name. Thanks for joining the stream. Bring some friends next time. We always like to see new members of the fandom. Hopefully we didn't scare you away. Um, But this sadly brings us to the end of this episode. But fear not, we don't go anywhere. Tomorrow's Wednesday. It is a new day for some Star Wars time. And you'll be getting that with my breakdowns. Uh, of Andor Episode 7, so make sure you are subbed to youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show and turn on those notifications because you'll at least be getting an Easter egg breakdown and a review of Episode 7 tomorrow before Nick and I come back next week on Tuesday and have our big-time powwow breakdown right here on the live stream version of the show. So go on StarWarsTime.net, hit it up. Don't be scared. It's not going to hurt you. Even though last Wednesday I wanted to light it on fire, it figured itself out, and it's still there. And it is our home on the net. So you can find all of our podcast links if you need to subscribe to the podcast. The podcast is just a, an audio-only version of the live stream, but I know there are some fans that like to listen in cars and whatnot. So those always drop Wednesday. But the best place to get linked up and linked in and connected is StarWarsTime.net. Hit the subs, hit the YouTube, and as always... 
We don't want to ask for any money. I got IG now bothering me. Hey, you've been selected. You can use this subscription now. It's like, I'm sure other people will use it. I still, and this could just be me being old. I, I have a hard time charging for anything if we don't have thousands of motherfuckers coming here to listen to the gospel at the feet of the Star Wars Time Show. So we remain free. We just ask you to please hit comments on videos, hit comments on those IG posts. When we share the podcast on Wednesday, comment the fuck out of it, like it, share it, save it, juice the algo. We need people to know we're more than just featurers of kick-ass content that other people create. We do create our own too. All right? There's always time for Star Wars time, people. Get up, get excited, get out there, and get us some new acolytes. Linda, thank you. Oh, Jared brought Linda. Like I said, Jared earns his keep. He is not going to get charged for this episode. All right, Jared, we'll refund your money once I hit end. But in all seriousness, my friends, I love talking Star Wars with my man Nick and knowing people are listening and interacting on the live stream. So join in. We do try to have some fun. And I do think we're a little bit different than what you get out there with the other Star Wars fan podcasts, the big ones, where to me it just sounds like everything's happy. And you're not, you know, where else would you get a talk on masturbation and going to hell on a Star Wars podcast? That's who we are. That is a Star Wars time show. So like we always say, if you listen to it, the Force will be with you. Always.